Hello and welcome to the Y Debate. That gets me dancing. I can see you be- below. I'm both popping in our chairs like that. <laughs> Grooving. I love it. With the, with, the, with, the, uh, with the music. Yeah, Georgia created that, didn't she? I created that really terrible one we used to use the other week. Uh, um, no comment. No comment. No, I don't blame you. <laughs> you already explained how shit it was. Um, I guess this week we have gone through a very... I mean, last week was 500 pages. This was a 500 pager and the next week's a 500 pager. It's been, it's been rough. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a it's a lot it's it's a lot of studying in a very short period of time. Um, yeah, it is. But we'll get some short ones soon. I mean, you're picking next, so probably not because you like picking these big Bible size fucking things. Yeah, I, I do. I'll definitely think about that. I'll, I'll do a bit of page page number research before I. mate i'm getting a pamphlet for the next one i'm telling you it's going to be a four-page pamphlet like fuck that (laughs) i'm having a week off um so what did you think we did the immortality key is it there no it's 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 there is the little picture in fact you got it i I did um give them the big picture yeah i'm trying to find it there we go we did the immort by brian c that that last name there you gonna try it, <laughs> Brian Murescu. Murescu. Mirror Rescue. Mirror Rescue. Yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare to say, but um, yeah, uh, the the immortality key, the secret history of the religion with no name, very mysterious, very cool. Uh, last uh, podcast we talked a little bit about uh, religion and um, a bit of human history and its relationship with religion, and I think this has been an interesting one because i don't know about you but i found that it kind of followed on there were like a few things that we that came up in this one that we've kind of already been speaking about in the last one and uh and yeah I, i'm looking forward to talking about it it's awesome um, check, check, check this out though i think georgia thinks we were picking on her um on her intro that georgia we was picking on my intro <laughs> yeah <laughs> no if you have a suggestion for better intro i'll happily get back on the design board She's no our resident designer. She's uh, she's cool. She's working from home today, which is lucky. Um, I just wouldn't do anything. Put that again. No, I, I mean I've worked from home. It's it's an interesting thing working from home because, like part part of the time I was. Uh, oh, Andrea. hello there, Andrea. Uh, hi, all. Looking forward to this one, Andrea. We're looking forward to it too. And Andrea, I'm so sorry for messing up your name last time. You have to understand that I lived in the Czech Republic for a little while, and Andrea is how they say your name out in the Czech Republic. So that's why I was saying it in that way. My friends laughed at me, um, and I'm sorry for butchering it, Andrea. Um, we did watch a bit of the um, what do you call it documentary. Ah, the documentary you sent long. us. <laughs> no, I'm I'm still waiting to check it out. I've been I've been absolutely grinding this book out this week because um there's a lot of stuff in there so uh uh and a lot of the information is kind of quite deep and you want to sort of I don't know if if it did it for you but it felt for me a lot that I had to um I wanted to like look at other you know look at other things if he was talking yep. about greek gods i'd be like oh i need to like sharpen up on my greek gods because i haven't quite uh, i i don't know the one he's talking about i need to check that out and then you end up going down a rabbit hole and then the book takes twice as long to read so um he's got such in-depth knowledge of this like probably more than you which was like (laughs) and he's and he's only young and it's like holy shit man this guy's like really studied his history he's a proper history buff he loves it he loves it yeah he's he's on fire with his history it's great i really enjoyed it for that for that um case i'm an amateur this guy definitely a pro um 
don't, don't be silly. Everyone mispronounces my name. Bizarrely, my mum wanted it as uh, I pronounced it, uh, but for some reason, um, it never came out that way. Interesting. Very interesting. Me and your mum are on the same wavelength there with that. That's cool. Yeah, na names are a really interesting thing. I I think um, we actually there's some naming conventions in the book. We talk about like certain gods are named certain ways because of their sort of like linguistic things, and it's really interesting. Uh, uh, I don't know. Have you ever looked into your uh, your the origins of your name, Mike? Me? Nah. Yeah. Does it make money? Yeah. Well, you never know. I mean, this this guy's written a pretty interesting book, and it has a lot of linguistic stuff in there. So, I guess yeah, that's that's been my problem until we started doing this podcast, right? I always used to look at everything in life is will I make money doing it, and if I won't, I was never interested in doing it. And this has kind of got me looking at things in a completely different way, and it's, I think it's helped me calm down a lot. It's helped me become a less of Less of a shot, like, 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 I won't snap at all anymore about anything. Very, very rarely that I'll get mad about anything. I'll ignore things. I'll laugh at things. If somebody's getting mad at me, I'll kind of tease them and wind them up on purpose to the point where it's getting them mad and I'm, I'm kind of laughing inside. And I never used to be like that. I was, I was, I, I always wanted to be, but I was always like, if, if, if someone got confrontational, I'd probably punch someone in the mouth. So you'd and rise to the confrontation. You'd like meet yeah. their level every time. And now you're willing yes. to like, keep on your own level shit. yeah it's, it's, it's been good it's been really really i mean this has been this week uh, uh this, this has got me a bit pissed off this book to be honest but the the, the historical knowledge and the, uh, some of the some of the the information in there is I, I don't think i think it's it's unbelievable that one guy knows it all unless he was just using chat gbt and rewriting stuff that already exists i, I don't mean, know but he's done some pretty crazy extensive research to put this together i think that you know there were points where it was losing me a little bit um uh okay. and oh hold on we got to get that one up there because uh this is really funny uh georgia says mike or michael is an irish name uh she shouldn't give you the ego boost but it means like god <laughs> boom <laughs> <laughs> why did i bring this up <laughs> why did i bring this up uh, um what does that's so funny to what does Callum mean? Please be somewhat funny. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Small willy. No, I think yeah. it means, um, I think. Small willy or massive dicks just as bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all about context. <laughs> um, I think it means peaceful. I think it means uh, like a dove or, or bringer of peace. I think that's what it means. Um, and I think my name is actually the same as uh i think it comes from it's an anglicized version of Colum columbo or columbus which was the name of a saint um which means my name is the exact same as columbia which is yeah but it's not like god is it <laughs> no it isn't <laughs> not but quite they're all just myths uh oh yeah yes. we've got a few comments coming up already um and i wanted to show georgia right georgia look at the top of my drink because i know georgia's watching this week so oh, me and Callum discussed that. it yesterday. You were supposed to be coming up to see the new ice machine and tell me if you want one in the office downstairs <laughs> because it's summer. I've got an ice machine in the office up here. Um, ice machine is necessary at the moment. It is absolutely boiling. Well, we'll, we'll order one on Monday when George is back in. <laughs> Love it. Um, oh, George Boone. Somebody's laughing at you, George Boone. 
Yeah. Wonder what it does in fact mean dove. It has a Scottish and Latin origin. Yeah, my family's from Scotland. My second name, Roy, actually means the red. It was a, a, a nickname. So have you watched um, um oh what's your, is it called Succession? No, they're all called the Roys though. I've been told yeah. about this. They're called the Roys, which is interesting. I, I, I didn't even know, right? But Lorna yesterday, my missus sends me a picture because this 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 guy in here is probably my favorite character um from let me see if i can i've, I've heard it. it's pretty good i haven't watched it i'm not a massive tv guy he's called something roy in it he's one of the uh oh what's just popped up oh it's just airpods uh, <laughs> he's actually one of the do you remember that um summit from home thing that came on what, what uh he, he, where macaulay culkin it's his brother oh he, he i'm at home alone something from hilarious home. Character <laughs> like, you mean home alone yeah, something yeah. from home. <laughs> it's his brother who plays it, and he's called something Roy there. And the whole oh, all sweet. Of me the other day saying, "Oh, Callum's called Roy." Yeah, that's that's my favorite. That's like brilliant show. That that I liked Suits as well, but kind of people take the piss out of me because of it. But that was awesome. Yeah, I've heard good things about Succession, um, and so is George apparently. Um, yeah, interestingly, my second name used to be given to people in the British Raj who'd done a good job. So, like, loads of Indian people have the surname Roy now. It was a like a, a gift for saying good job. So, it's What's kind of the red dove all about. Uh, so, my first name means uh, dove, and my surname means re uh, the red. So, my spy name would be the red dove. Ah, okay. I quite like that. That's pretty good. Better than Little Willie. <laughs> that's for sure in some cultures <laughs> yes true <laughs> it's true. true though it it's all about perspective be. yeah well, they said didn't they like the statues like uh the old sort of like greco-roman statues they all have like quite small willies because it, it shows that they are um it shows that they were more cerebral like they were intelligent and they didn't think with their didn't think with their dick i remember being on um on on i think i was speaking at an event or something and i remember telling a story about something like this because my missus would come walking into the bathroom once and you know when you stand in the shower and it's red hot and you've got the water scrolling down <laughs> where is this going yeah and my missus walked in and i must have been just had my head down like i just stood in the shower just getting mm. steamed up and she went are you looking at your well she probably said penis but are you looking at your dick and i was like and i'm looking down i went can't actually see it and she says <laughs> to me don't worry, you'd be more disappointed when you can. <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> She's destroyed you. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Talk about ego is the enemy. There's no chance of you getting uh, brought back to <laughs> Earth because of that. No. You, you found that your name means like God, but you were humbled quite, quite very, quickly. Very, very quickly, yeah. And yeah. Love it. This guy who looks pregnant and he can't see his own penis, it's like, okay. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> wrong with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway God. shall we move on to the uh oh, oh wait there we've got one more comment we might one more comment and then we'll get going well. alden good to see you man so hello guys i tried to catch up on uh oh, with us on this one i'm assuming reading the book um but it took me a couple of days to get the book and then i only had 30 or 40 minutes a day to read it so you only got 15 percent through honestly alden i don't blame you we had the same problem we had to audiobook this one um normally we do a mixture of audiobooking and reading because i i find it helps it go in but um this time it was just strictly audiobook because only the hardback edition of this book is out at the moment um I, I i read i read quite a lot of it on um kindle ah see superpower kindle yeah I read, I read my kindle kindle, but i um i watch call it yeah this is 
like next week I've got the I've, you've got the book for next week as well, haven't you? But the, yeah, I do. Hard work is 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 not a. I mean, Bill Gates reads one book a week, so it must, we must be doing something right. And if we're choosing these together, it's two different ends of the spectrum. Kind yeah. of what we're interested in. Um, our knowledge. And if anyone who joins us, because I think over time people will start joining us, doing the same books, and we'll get a lot more things. And we need somebody. Uh, Georgia can probably uh, uh, allocate somebody from the team or get somebody to uh, eventually do the chat bit for us that pops up while we're talking so we don't have to, because it's already getting a... Yeah, it's getting busy. I love it, though. It's great. Kindle is <laughs> shit. Kindle, you can Kindle actually get Kindle now where you can you, you download it to your phone it only works on certain devices and then if you look underneath it you can actually down you can buy the audiobook and the kindle and you can download the audiobook and what will do what it'll happen is let me show you it's fucking brilliant it's not an advertisement for kindle but watch this so you probably not can't quite hear sponsored it. yet can you see how it's going uh-huh yeah so it's like uh reading it like doing text to speech for you it does it, and at the same time, it also. So you have to buy the audiobook and the book, and, and at the same time, it goes through the thing. Yet, so I'd set it on double speed, but because you're watching it and reading at the same time, it goes in. Mm-hmm. That's smart. That's a good idea. Bit of, bit of a learning lesson from somebody who never even finished school. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, are we going to hit out some of these banners or what? Yeah, let's get I'm on looking, it. I'm looking forward to today. Yeah, um, me too. I've been hyped all week. I think the first note is yours. Uh huh. Yes. Um, well, we're talking about <laughs> the the immortality key and and what it's all about. And uh, got to read it out for the podcast first because obviously yes. on the YouTube. Yeah, I was giving it a little. I was just giving oh, giving it a little oh, intro, oh, right? So my note says, if you die before you die, you won't die when you die. <laughs> so this is so apparently this is uh in, this is inscribed somewhere uh, i'm not sure whether it is in um i'm not sure whether it's in in greece or italy that this is inscribed um but it's inscribed on something and that that is basically what um that is the mantra of this sort of religion with no name that well that's what brian Mirescu kind of um attaches as the mantra to this religion with no name um is all about dying before you die um, and he believes that um, this death before death was achieved through the use of um, psychedelics, um, specifically in the sort of Greco-Roman traditions. And he believes this is the main sort of like uh, controversy is that he believes that that was also the use of psychedelics was also present in paleo-Christian um, practices. So early Christians were taking psychedelics and um to achieve some kind of um communion with god which uh he says that the psychedelics would have been ingested during the eucharist which is the um uh, holy communion like taking the the bread and the wine for those that don't know about that stuff so that that was kind of the the angle he's going for it. and i just i thought this one's a good one to put up first because i don't think that this is a particularly foreign concept to us with the uh stoic um philosophy that i know that we've been reading about and the and the buddhist um kind of um yeah kind of uh stuff we've been reading recently Uh, i think if you die before you die is um you won't die when you die is a kind of uh i don't know i think that's something that stood out to me being like i kind of get that i know it sounds like very strange but i do kind of get it it's um i personally think it's talking about ego death 
mm-hmm. um, um, like or being scared and, of dying. Yes, or perhaps having a transformative experience due to some kind of trauma or feeling close to death. And I know the Stoics often say, don't they, that if when when you accept your own death is when you can start living because you're no longer living with the fear of death following you around all the time because you're at peace with the fact that you're going to die. Um, I think that's important. I think uh, the Stoics talk about meditating on your own death a lot, and I, I don't necessarily do it a lot, but I've, you know, I, I try to think about it in a, like the other day I was listening to this, I was listening to the, to the um, audio book when I was walking home from jujitsu and, and um, this kind of, this quote came up he was um, reiterating it. And I thought to myself, um, I was like, yeah, that's interesting. Where am I going to die? I was really interested. I was like, where am I going to die? Like, where are they going to find, like, in a few thousand years, where are they going to dig up my bones? And, like, <laughs> if, any, if anyone does, like, they're probably not. Like, if you look at history, you know, people, like, very few people actually get get any kind of recognition of ever existing so it's uh, nearly always vicious fuckers aren't they that go back that, that, that when you look at it it's nearly always the 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 people who were were, were vicious were violent were, were which is, is is a sad reality of of i mean there's not many if you compare buddha and and nelson mandela and various other ones throughout history who've been nice and then you do i bet it's i bet it's a one to ten ratio of how many nasty people have been remembered and i bet there's also a one to ten ratio with how long the nasty people get remembered over the good people yeah i think that's a valid yeah except jesus christ who we're going to talk about later um the i think that's a valid point and i i don't know why you know i think rather than it being like there are more like nasty bastards in history i think it's probably to do with how we're really interested in that like if you look at like all our tv is all about like drama betrayal serial killers all of that stuff like netflix is literally just like a a back catalog of serial killer documentaries now because people love it you know people love that stuff so i think maybe the narrative is what has survived and what we like to see in the narrative a little bit of murder a bit of drama um rather than you know like oh these people it turns out were very peaceful they didn't have any weapons they um it's not as interesting it's not as fun it's like yeah they have these massive swords that they use killing each other it's kind of i don't know some people would say that's kind of cool maybe i would say that's kind of cool if you die before you die you won't die when you die i love it never heard it before i'd never noticed it from the book did you make it up or did it come out of the book that because i no, no, it's it's come out of the book it's uh it, it was an inscription i think it's a uh it, it was inscribed somewhere um on on a temple I believe and it was um written in greek i would assume and this is the this is the um translated of what it said it's if you die before you die you that's, won't die that's you die. one of them little sayings right that when i see it i wish i'd made it up do you know what i mean like a few <laughs> things that just you get them and it's like that's that's cool as shit i wish i'd have been the person who made it up but obviously not because i wasn't even thought of by then i mean i struggled a little bit with this book i'll put my my first my first thing up right yeah. I struggled a little bit with this book because I'm a sales guy. At heart, I'm a sales guy. I have read pretty much every single book you can ever imagine on sales, uh, sales techniques, sales strategies, psychology of sales, all sorts of different shit like that, right? Um, and I love sales. So the reason I struggled with this is I felt there was a bit of, an, of, of I think the word's ulterior motive throughout the, um, okay. the book to try and prove um, that people were, were, were tripping the tits off at the... At the um, Thing. So this is not about that, and I will get onto that later. But I think this is just a, a, anybody watching this, right? I feel like the book a little bit um, makes drugs sound like they're not as bad as they really are. Okay, 
Um, so what I wanted to just get out is, 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 is it doesn't matter if you go through throughout and you look at history, you look at religion, or you look at fiction, like like um, James Patterson, um, I feel those type of writers, nothing is actually created on fact. It's created on maybes. Maybe this happened, maybe that happened, maybe the other happened, maybe it didn't. We don't know, so we assume. And they're all kind of a similar fiction. So 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 not a lot that's in this book is 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 100% fact. However, a lot of it, if you look through a lot of the other histor- historical texts and you actually research it, everything he says that's that's cemented in history is is 100% accurate. It's just in some cases he assumes um, with the evidence to try and turn it into proof, which I'll talk about as evidence and proof soon. And then for anybody watching this, if you do decide to read this book and you want to actually, it it glamorizes, that's the word I'm looking for, it glamorizes the use of um, of LSD. Now, when I was 17, lived in the northeast of UK, right? And me and a bunch of mates, probably about 15 of us, right? Um, And this is an important story to just understand that that psychedelics is not something that's going to give you um, make make you feel better. It's not going to be something that you're going to find God. It's not. It, it's more than likely going to fuck you up, right? Basically, there's about about 15 of us, for example, and we started off smoking pot, and we used to smoke a lot of weed. So we we we'd, we'd smoke weed with joints at first, and then we got to the point where we we're smoking pipes because you couldn't get wrecked off joints anymore. Then we started sitting around in a big circle in my mate's shed, um, and we'd put a two liter a, a bottle in with a um with a, what, what you call, um, a socket set thing that's like kind of fitted in, foil on it, you put weed in that, you pull it, it's in a bucket full of water, you pull it up and it would suck all of the smoke into into the two litre bucket and then we'd take turns doing that and going down and that'd get you smashed on, on, on weed. And then what we started doing, once we were getting to the point where it didn't matter how much weed we got into our systems, we weren't stoned. We, we, we started taking ecstasy um and taking lsd on a regular basis i mean i remember taking 11 micro dot stars one weekend right which are these they look like flints but these were star versions of them which are the old trips um and we used to do a lot of magic mushrooms if it's september to november we'd go and find as many magic mushrooms as we could and we'd stick them all on like we put them on chip butties and just fucking eat them even with a bit of money and we weren't asked and and, and we'd, we'd brew them all up and then we'd save them in our fridge for months so that we could drink them throughout thinking anyway the, the the thing behind it is it was great fun. It was amazing. It was it was, it was a laugh. All the stuff that we did was was we, we really enjoyed. However, if I now take you a few years later to those fifteen people, like one of my very very best friends, um, he he's he's dead now. He was one of the people people who helped me stay on the straight and narrow and not progress to heroin and not progress to things that are really addictive, that's going to absolutely destroy your life. But a lot of the lads that I was good friends with back in the day are now smackheads. They were smackheads. They've been in and out of prison all their lives. They they progressed from doing the psychedelics and, 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 and the pills to the next progressive field step, which is heroin and things like that. And they their lives were completely ruined. I've also got friends fr- from, from the past there that completely lost their minds so they've they've gone completely insane, and it, and and literally they're still living with the parents in the forties, and they can't speak properly, they can't think. And there's a few, there's only a few that actually went on, never became heroin addicts, never had, had really really bad lives, and who actually became not 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 super successful or successful, but had a normal life with the misses and kids and things like that. So I think it's 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 a good point right at the beginning to state that psychedelics fuck with your mind to to, to a serious level of the point where if you've not got a really strong mind, you're potentially going to lose your mind. And I think that right at the start of the book, we should, because I feel that connecting psychedelics to religion 
and history <laughs> is a very dangerous game because it kind of glamorizes it and it doesn't let people realize that obviously if you start taking these things, the potential chance is probably 75% of people that start to fucking shit like this are going to go into harder drugs or it's going to completely destroy your mind. So I just wanted to get that in at the beginning because it just I felt it was quite um, irresponsible to write the book and glamorize. Um, yeah, taking trips. Well, you know, I think... There, I agree that it's important to definitely outline something like that, especially because today we're probably going to talk quite extensively about psychedelics and what they can do, what they can't do. And I think it's important to know that there is obviously a risk with taking any kind of drug. Um, uh, there are risks involved, even if they are marketed as being completely harmless. I think there are, there are always, even, no, like if they can't, even if they can't kill you, right? Like, they, they can still it, the damage can be done important to important to um remember um and i'll get on to a point in a second we just have a comment from from oh, sorry go on i'll let you oh, read it out i lost a thing uh comment from andrea she says um we're talking about uh oh this is a point about what we we're talking about television and, and the kind of things that we're looking at and enjoying on tv she says definitely what is televised is just fear porn I love that word, fear porn. Uh, probably true, to be honest, just keeping everyone scared. Uh, I no longer feel death due to working on myself and nearly dying four years ago. Yeah, so having a, a, a near-death experience, if you die before you die, uh, it can really help with that kind of stuff. And and that is, um, I think, one of the key points about um, psychedelics, especially, that we're going to make. Now, Mike, I, did, I do agree with you that it's important to have a... Um, to say at the beginning that, you know, put a little warning in there because where I'm not sure I agree that drugs have been glamorized in this, uh, in this context, in the same way as it, uh, because I think he talks about uh, things that could happen even in like the texts about people dying or going to sleep for long periods of time. He also says about how amazing these experiences could be. And I think that, a blanket statement like psychedelics specifically are bad. I think that that's also a slightly dangerous sentiment. Oh, I, because... I like tripping my tits off. I love I love taking psychedelics. But what I'm saying, most people's minds are not strong enough to actually do it regularly and then be normal. <clears throat> really good point. So regularly is the key word here. And I think that that's something that um, we need to lay out about the book is that these rituals that he's talking about the psychedelic drug use happening. The the ones that happened in this place called Eleusis, which is uh, almost like a religious capital, um, a little, it's just north of Athens. So it was like a Greek, uh, a Greek religious capital. And um, they would go on a pilgrimage there to do the, um, to uh, sort of partake in the mysteries and to take this, what he believes to be a psychedelic beverage. Um, this only happened once every, was it two years? I think. Don't remember. I thought it was every every year they travelled for. I mean, they, 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 well, he says they have to train or they have to prepare for a year. There's like a fast involved, and and I think that's really important to remember. Is these are psychedelics are really serious things, and if you're not prepared, you don't do your research, you don't do your due diligence beforehand, and and really think about what they what they are, what you want to get out of it. I think that then they can be really dangerous. I think the context is extremely important when it comes to when it comes to um, psychedelics. I'll talk about it in the future, but um, on the podcast. But 
there are um, psychedelic drugs, psilocybin um, or magic mushrooms are being used in a therapeutic context now. Uh, there's a lot of research, funded research. They put $4 million into it a few years ago. Um, there's been lots of articles in the New York Times and stuff about how um, psychedelics uh, combined with talk therapy can create a situation where a person has uh, profound um, realizations about their life and can actually help them psychologically. It can get rid of mental health issues. And also, important to your point, it can combat addiction. Because it costs- we... Come on, let's okay. be serious. You start getting off your tits, you, you want to get off your tits more. And, and and there is nowhere on this planet that you can do this in a controlled environment legally. So the only people that are ever going to take psychedelics are going to do it illegally in an uncontrolled environment, which is going to be bad for them. And the mates are going to be taking the fucking piss and having a laugh with them. So it's not so, going to be positive. So would you say that the so would you say that the psychedelics are bad or that the legislation is bad? Because if it if it's if these things are illegalized, then they're going to be done in an illegal contexts people are going to do them hiding away which is another really important point of the book we'll get to later is that this stuff only gets banned when it stops being done in an organized fashion and starts being done in house churches and underground um that's when it starts getting out of control because people are like hang on we can do this every weekend that's great that's a great idea let's do it every weekend so they start doing it every weekend and it ends up getting banned it ends up getting people end up getting in trouble because it obviously causes chaos with that amount of people um, doing any kind of substances. We don't know exactly what the substances were, but he, he theorizes what a few of them could be from like um, uh, sort of botanical um, biological but evidence. You've also got to realize this guy's never, ever taken drugs. So he's writing a book. I, yes. I took this book from a very negative perspective and you you took it from a positive perspective, but I found that a lot of the shit he's talking about, he has never experienced it. So he's just assuming, oh, well, this one person said this one thing. So let's latch on to that and ignore all the other stuff that, that, that maybe it could have been. I mean, look, what's this thing that they're doing nowadays called adrenochrome or some shit? What they're accusing rich people of taking out of children and getting off the tits with. Right. He says that the That's Catholic Church doesn't want you to know that they were taking magic mushrooms back in the day, but they were were killing people, raping people, crucifying people, um, yeah. uh, and all that shit. And, and they're fine with that. Oh, it's great, but you can't. They can't let you know that they're drinking a mushroom. Well, it's a lot harder to hide. Like mass <laughs> genocide sense. and the Crusades are a lot harder to hide than, yeah, but even, than... even the even the um, thing is they were they were they were openly drinking blood and doing fucking sacrifices to all sorts of different gods and they never and 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 the history of that's not they've not even tried to hide that it's like well that's no, the history because of it's that. not christianity because why would that, they, why would they hide because that's the that's the main um sort of that's the main sort of religious because well he, what his argument in the book is that once they're taking these psychedelics is that they are having uh, profound experiences with a in a religion in a religious sort of sacred context that are not uh doctored or controlled by the church which when you're trying to get a lot of people to believe in the same thing is going to be kind of difficult because these people are all having their own experiences and seeing god and talking to like if you were a, a religious leader and one of your congregation comes up to you and says i did this and i spoke to god and god said this it's not what you're saying it's the opposite you're in trouble there you have to then be like no you're a heretic you're saying the wrong thing so then that person gets locked up and put it because they challenge your authority 
I, I thought that the, and, and we can see that through the war on drugs, um, the war on drugs has never really been about protecting people. It's been about protecting the people in positions of power. So either in regards to protecting, um, for example, the British uh, doing the opium war, the, the opium wars in, in China, where they ended up taking Hong Kong by getting a bunch of Chinese people addicted to opium. It's pretty dangerous. So naturally, governments were then like, yeah, we need to cut down on opium. This is a really bad thing. And I think it's kind of similar. You know, the hippies, they're a counterculture thing. The, the hippies were taking psychedelics. They were like, oh, this is, you know, we got to do something about this. Like these guys are coming up with theories that we can't, but they're going to end up asking questions that we can't answer and we're going to get into trouble. And, and this anti-establishment uh, idea so why is going to end up. Philosophy then? Because that's the same thing, isn't it? Well, they're just a bunch of people asking the same questions as, as, as junkies, except people pay attention. Well, in, in the past, they definitely did ban philosophy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like when, if you think about philosophy and, religion is very similar but people who like members of the church who said things like you know i think there are other planets and like if there are other humans on other planets then what does that mean in terms of god and who's god's chosen people because if there's people on other planets where how does that relate well that's just a philosophical debate isn't it about aliens and the divine rights of what those aliens would be if god is is real um but those people were burned at the stake for that. That's heresy. So they did when, suppress when, that. When they openly suppressed that during the Inquisition. So like in like the late medieval period, Renaissance period. So they did try and crack down on that. But eventually the, the grip of the church, it, it fell away with the Reformation, like Martin Luther um, reformed the church. You end up with the Protestants and the Catholics, and then lots of other sects end up showing up because they just couldn't quite control people as much as, as before. And they were obviously elements to that but now with like freedom of information stuff is almost it's very hard to suppress particular philosophies but i think political ideologies get suppressed i mean we see that with the um algorithms and stuff on online i think there's there is a suppression of political ideology to this day and some arguably for a good reason but i think if you suppress any kind of ideology the argument is, then is it attracts people which is what happens in in this kind of in the narrative of the book is that once it started getting suppressed it got more and more extreme because to keep to get away from the suppression you have to go further and further to the fringes and the only people that are left are the people who are the most extreme so the people who are you know the the witches so to speak human sacrifice stuff like that i mean some of that probably made is probably made up to demonize people because that's a tactic that's a lot of history is made yeah. Same as a lot of religion and James Patterson books. It's all just an interpretation. But my, my point back to the point on psychedelics exactly is that I think the context and mm -hmm. the environment is really important with drugs of any kind, but specifically psychedelic drugs, because they have proven now that with the assistance of psychedelics, people are 80% more likely to uh, quit smoking, for example, in the studies that they did, than they were, uh, sorry, 80% of people who took the psychedelic talk therapy in regards to their addiction to nicotine yep. were uh, dropped cigarettes. Whereas using an over-the-counter um, smoking uh, quitting sort of drug, 
uh, only 35% um, of people quit. Now, the longitudinal evidence isn't in. Maybe they come back in three years and they're smoking cigarettes again. Um, yep. That's not that data isn't there because this stuff is recent. But that is that is something that's happening, and people are doing trials, and it is becoming more and more likely that un, in a medicinal setting that um, psychedelic drugs will be so, over the counter drugs will be legalized. Are they doing the tests in the exact... Because what you've just said to me about doing it with psychedelics, they're going into a controlled environment around people who have planned a specific thing to stop them from smoking, right? Whereas mm -hmm. with the over-the-counter drugs, they're buying them at a chemist and they're taking them or sticking them on their arms or doing whatever. And so so they can't really be compared at the same... Do you know what I mean? If, if, I, so, was to, if I was to go to... Um, one of them places where people go in the junkies to stop them taking drugs and drinking and all that. Rehabilitation center. Yeah. I'm going to have a much higher um, success rate than if I literally go to an AA meeting once a week and try and stop drinking. And I think the, the same could be said with those two, two different variations is like, okay, they're the getting better statistics, but they're also, even if you went into that same environment and took the stick on patch, if, unless they've done them like for like and said, right, let's try the stick on patch and let's try psychedelics and then put them both into the environment surrounded by doctors and in a whole environment that's designed to help them to stop smoking, to talk it into their minds and do the rest of that. I, I don't think you can compare the two like for like. Yeah. Unless, well, in this particular context, they used one particular brand of anti-smoking medication and they used um, a, I think it's 300 milligrams of psilocybin in a capsule. And they they ran those like for like in an experiment. And that's where they get that data from. But I know what you mean. The con the context of that is really important, isn't it? Like, uh, yep. which is why the context of your story that you told about the dangers of psychedelics. I I yep. completely can understand that. But um, you that was irresponsible. Like that was very irresponsible. Like taking that those amounts of drugs. Well, no, but um, I was a teenager. Powerful and that's what teenagers right. do. But if if people read yeah, this but book. The, and he's saying to them, especially, right, especially people that believe, that have got faith, right, that are religious and want to fucking connect with, with gods and things like that, right? And yeah. in this book, it does say that this can help you spiritually. He does say that most people, like 27%, I think he says, of, of the United States are now spiritual and not religious anymore. And this, this, and then if you, if you, if you believe that taking magic mushrooms, right, which are also mm. a fucking poison that can kill people, right? And they um, can't kill people. If you take the wrong ones, they can. Well, so if you take the wrong ones, yeah, obviously they yeah. can. But, but it's where like they're going to you... go, they're going to they're go out to fields and look for magic mushrooms. And if they pick up the wrong things, they can die. And what, what I'm saying is if this guy yeah, potentially. is promoting that to people who have got faith, who really believe that there is a God up there and they want to speak to him, they're going to go out and find magic mushrooms and take them not for any other reason than to try and meet God or to try and find out about, the, the, yeah. about life and about the... It's, I, it's, I, do, I, do you... I think it's super irresponsible this book i see i, I understand I would, why he's done it from 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 a marketing perspective i was gonna i was gonna mention this later on in the book i was gonna mention this from a marketing perspective it's fucking genius what he's done absolute genius but from a a, a a actually spreading the word of drugs to people that have got faith i think it's a very irresponsible very very so irresponsible i i would argue that it was that doing um that doing psychedelic drugs in the right context with the right kind of mindset is not necessarily irresponsible. Um, but you can't. I think it's not possible. They're illegal. So you can't do it in the right environment. So the only way you can yeah. do it is illegal. And he's, he's saying, if you want to speak well, to God, 
take trips or take well, fucking magic mushrooms. The only uh, the only time he ever spoke about people in the modern day taking psychedelic drugs was in a clinical setting. No, he talks about it, but he does actually state in the book that it it's it's it can get you to not to speak to God, but he kind of puts it in a way that like there's a connection between that world and our world and this mm. is the bridge he kind of creates this what what you'd call in marketing as like a bridge a bridge uh, a bridge gap a bridge page where it like kind of connects the two together he's kind of being an intermediate and saying if you want to find out what's over here which you've always wanted to know then all you have to do is take these magic mushrooms because this is the bridge this is what connects the two worlds the the real world and the spiritual world now and then with it, with it being magic mushrooms with it not being trips and stuff like that Literally, I've actually got a website that I've assigned to be called, be called the Magic Mushroom Map. I'll show it you in a bit, right? And mm -hmm. I've paid to, because to, to, then basically what it does is it's going to show me the likelihood of magic mushrooms growing all over. Because I love tripping. I think it's an amazing thing. Yeah, what I'll do is I'll, I'll, go, and, I'll go and pick a load when, when they could probably be September, October when they start to, to, to be near us. And I'll yeah. get a place for a week and go away so I'm not naming kids on my family and trip the mm -hmm. tits off for a week and have fun because I like shit like that. But what yeah. I'm saying is, I agree with taking trips because I like them and I think it's fun and it's amazing. But I also think that him using it as a bridge between the real world and, and, and the spiritual world is it, it's it's marketing genius, but it's also very irresponsible. So, have you ever had any profound uh, sort no. of semi-religious experiences whilst under the age? Never, mate. I've always had fun. I mean, one time um, I remember. So, so we we've we've done lots of crazy different things, but um, I've I've never. That like a lot of these things that people say they've seen, I've never tripped to that sort of level, and I've took massive quantities of these drugs um, okay. when I was younger, when when I was very very young, teenager and stuff like that, because it was kind of what we did. Like we'd go and pick, and 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 between about five or six of us, we'd pick like half a bin bag of these things, yeah, yeah? and then we'd take them back, and before we even dried them or, or thought about boiling them up or anything, we would literally start putting handfuls of them, wash a bit of the mud off, put handfuls of them, big handfuls on like chip muffins and we'd eat the full fucking thing and be tripping our tits off, right? But tripping to the point where you're having these, unless you're looking for it, but then it's right. not a religious experience. Then what it is, is you're looking for it. It's not a religious experience. It's something that you're looking for. So you're seeing it because you're looking for it. If you're taking right. it in that situation where you're looking for something, then you're going to see it. Like if, if I'll give you an example, right? So one, one we, were, we were down a field, right? Um, and there was about 15 of us. And we this was Microdot Stars. It wasn't Magic Mushrooms. But we were taking these trips, right? Not 15 of us. We had all gone camping. And it was getting dark. And we had the music playing from the cars. And we was in the fields. And we was all having a laugh and everything. And the grass had been cut, right? Mm -hmm. So I got the gr I got a handful of this grass, right? And I took it over to my mate. And I was like, wow, look at this, what I found. Right? I didn't say it was the grass. He didn't know it was the grass. I was like, wow, look at this, what I found. And it was, but I was like, is it worms? Is it thinking? And I was talking to him. And then as he starts putting his hand in him, feeling it, he's going, wow, what is it? Right. And it was just grass. I threw it in his face. And then I said, ah, they're all over you. Right. Now, this is the guy who years later completely lost his mind. Okay. At like 19 year old, he lost his mind. It wasn't because of that one thing. Because after that, we did loads of other crazy stuff. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> because I'd insinuated that it could have been worms or it could have been thinking, or what was it? He didn't know what it was. And then I said, it's all over you. He yeah. completely flipped out and panicked because he, he was looking for it. He wasn't in a situation where, and, and if I'm going into it looking for a religious experience, maybe I'll have one, maybe I won't. Right. But 
also, if if I go into it and I'm looking to find the the, the devil and hell and, and evil shit is real, yeah. all it does is it enhances what you're already looking for. So if you're looking to have fun, you'll have fun. But if if, if the second, it only takes the slightest thing to, to, to create what's called a bad trip. Yeah. Okay. It takes a tiny little thing. It's nothing big. It doesn't have to be something. And unless you're really, really strong-minded, taking psychedelics in this, the only situation that they're available is, 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 is stupid. I understand why they are illegal, even though I don't think we should listen. Um, the, I think a really important lesson there is don't do, uh, don't do psychedelic substances around friends that are going to throw things into your face. And, uh, and tell you that they're all over you because <laughs> you're probably going to have a bad trip. Um, you could say, I mean, uh, yeah, in, in terms of um, a warning to anyone watching, do not do anything Mike did as a youth. You will get arrested or overdosed. <laughs> yeah, probably true. That is a safe uh, That is a safe thing to put in there. But it's good because you you have this experience. It's really, um, you know, that, that's, that's good. It brings something to the debate, obviously. But yeah, it's a valid point, probably. Don't, don't do that. And also, you're a bad friend. Um, Oh, let's go, Alden, my best buddy. He says, how he starts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, my man. <laughs> All right. I agree with Callum. And while it's important to warn about drug abuse, I believe the psychedelics uh, they were talking, what they were taking on a regular basis. Uh, sorry, I messed it up. I believe the psychedelics they were taking were not on a regular basis and it was not for fun, but to learn. And that is, yeah, that is in essence the point I'm making. Um, it's not that they didn't want you to know about taking it, it's about not letting people experience something that the church is built on. Yeah, I think you're right, Alden. Uh, honestly, I think the church, the point of the church is is selling the religious experience to people. You know, they have to ha have people buying in. Customers coming through the door are just people joining their congregation. And I think if you can get that elsewhere, that spirituality, you see churches empty. And I think you have seen that over the last few years where religion, organized religion has died. But spirituality spiritual non-religious has gone up and i think that that is um i think that demonstrates that people do want to be spiritual there, there is a desire to be to have a spiritual you know how many people read their horoscopes and how many people look for symbols and and um synchronicity and uh, oh that's bad luck or that's that's uh, that'll get you cursed or you know that stuff they, they still look for it it's still really important to them but they don't necessarily follow uh, an organization um uh, or a bureaucracy that that divvies that out when where and when they choose and that they're on their terms you know and, and i think that that's that's cool i think that's a good thing i'm going to move to your next your next comment then if or have you got someone else to just jump in first um it no something. i think yeah my, my next <laughs> yeah let's Come talk on. about pine cones so <laughs> my next comment dreams synchronicity symbols and pine cones so um I'll start at the, let's talk about um, synchronicity and symbols for a second, because that's something that we just touched on. What, what you are looking for, like you will end up seeing, you know, that's the kind of what you were just saying. That's in essence, the point is if you're looking for something, you'll end up seeing it. And that's kind of the, the case with, with um, that um, synchronicity, you know, people see synchronous. Have you heard of synchronicity before? I've I've watched the film Synchronicity, but go on explain. Okay, so it's kind of just like where your 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 mind and your internal and external worlds, like your your mind, what you're thinking about, or something you know uh, internal, matches up and synchronizes with something in the external world, and it gives you a moment of profound like what the fuck. It's kind of like deja vu, but okay, more provable. So 
Um, I had a case of, of um, synchronicity the other day, and it was, uh, it was thanks to Lauren, who also works in the office. She um, sent me a song. So she was like, I'm listening to this song. I can't get it out of my head. It's really, um, it's great. I'll, I'll, um, and she said the name of it, and she said, I'll send it to you. And I was like, all right, sure. So she sent it to me on Basecamp, but I was very busy. I didn't check it. And uh, I went home. I, sorry, Lauren. I went home and I was just scrolling through Instagram um, and there was, uh, there was this song playing behind one of these Instagram reels. And um, I was like, that song is so cinematic. It literally makes every, every um, video it's behind look more cinematic because it's just such a powerfully cinematic song. That's really interesting. I wonder what the song is. Uh, I want to know what the title of that song is, but, um, but I didn't look it up because I was reading the book or whatever. And uh, later on, I'm looking again through Instagram and I see a video on Instagram that is entitled the most cinematic song ever. And it's that song and people making fun of the fact that this is the most cinematic song ever. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe it. They're thinking the same thing as me. So I scroll down to check what the song is. And it's this After Dark by Mr. Kitty. And I'm like, I think I, I, I recognize that name. I go on to Basecamp and that is the song that Lauren sent me earlier. So I was like, what the hell? What a weird synchronicity, right? That's like a bunch of things synchronizing. Like, is it a coincidence? It's synchronous. It's a coincidence, yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, yeah. is, is that really, is that a good example? Or is that just a coincidence? Yeah, that's synchronicity. Synchronicity <laughs> is like a coincidence. That is well, an example. Synchronicity is a coincidence. So that's a better way of explaining it. Yeah, pretty much. But it's more of a like a symbolic coincidence. You know, when if um so uh, if, if yeah, like if that song, you know, if if I was attaching that song to say like a deceased family member or something. Uh, for example, my uh my great grandfather, my mum's granddad died before I was born. Um suddenly he was a gardener and he kept birds. Uh, he, he loved birds and he would feed them. Um, he, he'd keep them in his garden and feed them. And um, after his death, obviously my family were really shaken. He was a really a strong figure in my family um, from what I've been told. And um, my nan was obviously grieving. She was sat in the garden, the one that he, his garden, the one that he'd kept so well for many years as a gardener. Um, and uh, amongst all the birds that she was now feeding, she'd taken over his, um, over his his duty of feeding the birds a um a peacock came into her garden and like what where the hell would you find a peacock like where where is a peacock you don't just see them walking around the countryside of dorset that's really strange so a peacock comes into the garden and stands next to her as if it wants to be fed so she feeds the peacock and then for the next like two weeks every single day she feeds the birds the peacock comes back and then one day she's like she's like dad I, I think I know what you're trying to trying to do. I think this is a sign from you and I'm okay. Like I'm going to be okay. We're all going to look after each other. You can go now. And the peacock never came back. So that was like a symbolic synchronous experience for my nat. So it's probably a coincidence. It was just a peacock. It might've escaped from someone's back garden or private collection or a, a garden, public gardens nearby. But the point is that it was a meaningful symbolic experience for her that helped her get over a a uh, very horrible situation losing her father so that is where i'm getting at with psychedelics looking at if you're looking to learn or to better yourself or improve something 
and you have a psychedelic experience, which is something that's usually extremely profound, um, and you see these kind of symbols and it helps you get over something, then it, where you have a religious experience when you go looking for a religious experience, that's still a religious experience. The same way that you throwing that grass in that guy's face was a traumatic experience, whether or not it was actually worms that were covering him or not. The trauma still existed. So it kind of, it, it fulfills itself. Do you know what I mean? But if he hadn't taken the psychedelic, it wouldn't have bothered him, would it? It'd have just been like, what are you throwing grass at me for? Yeah. It, it makes you so vulnerable. And yeah. Well, it, it makes you really open like to experience. Yes. Okay. That's a good way of explaining it. It makes you open to experiences, but the experiences you're open to are what you, you're very easily manipulated into believing anything at all. And if you take it in a non-controlled environment, the, I, I, I've, I, the reason I, I would never have talked about taking drugs in my past when I was, when I was younger, if, if I didn't think that this was like completely responsible, because I've seen not just one or two, but like the majority of the people I grew up with have gone off and become drug addicts. And we started smoking cannabis, which everyone thinks is fine. We went on to taking trips and stuff on a weekend. And then when we go out to nightclubs, we take ecstasies, right? So I'm, I'm being completely honest about what, what we did. And we'd go and pick magic mushrooms when we could. And then people move on from that to the next level. And there's probably out of say 15 people, there's probably three or four that have actually ended up having normal, decent lives. And everybody else is either heroin addict, in prison, um, or just completely fucked. And, and when you look at it like that, if if something like this was made, um, if, if if something like like this was 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 told to a lot of, of people who have got beliefs and who who are looking for those religious experiences, and they start doing it on a regular basis, because you would, if you if you thought you'd had the divine experience, right, of a lifetime, right, and you'd met God, or you'd met Jesus, or you'd done all this crazy shit, and you was a religious person, right, you're telling me you're going to do it once and then never do it again? Are you bollocks? You're going to do it probably every single day and all of a sudden you've got a, 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 a pandemic or what would you call it of society of people that are absolutely off the tits constantly because of psychedelics which is just makes them insane i so magic mushrooms has diminishing returns so you can't um if you take it many days in in a in a in a row it won't yeah. affect you so that's um uh, something that stops it from being immediately repeatable um so you can't just take mushrooms every day and you have do it every weekend you could probably do it every weekend i don't know exactly how long the period is but you could probably do it every weekend but would you want to do it every weekend is the question and if you i think god that, you would i mean if, if you're a super religious person who's got beliefs well, and, and you think to yourself you go to church every single sunday right so would yeah. i want to go and sit in church for two hours every sunday would i bollocks why because I just, I just think it's boring, right? Mm -hmm. So why would somebody who spends two hours a week sat in church praying to a statue or whatever else th th their type of God is, yeah? Or praying to a cross or a statue or whatever. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're going to do it every single week. They're going to do it as often as possible because they're super religious. They're devout. They're, they're, they're devout religious people. And if you're telling them this bridges the normal world with, 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 with the gods, then these people are going to do it as often as they can. And Fortunately, in the UK, I don't know about anywhere else. In the UK, they grow. It's about end of September you can get them, but then right through to November, you can pick them yourselves. But you can pick them and 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 you can basically boil them up, and you can keep them 
in, in freezers or in fridges for months and months and months and, and do them all the time. And that's kind of what we used to do. We, we yeah. boil them up and have them in, in, in um, like glass containers in, in, in our fridges because the great fun. But I mean, I, I, not just me, me and a lot of friends took them on a regular basis, especially during the time they were available. And it wasn't, it wasn't diminished, but we didn't do it every single day. Some days we yeah. did, mostly it was weekends because because we were young and most most of us had crap jobs and we were thinking so. But weekends we'd always get wrecked. And yeah, there's always stuff like this. But I don't think it's that. I think it's because people these people were doing it regular, right? Because they wanted to get wrecked. But the the people who were, who were religious who who've got these beliefs are going to want to do it regularly because they're going to want to talk to God. They're going to want to have these religious experiences. They're going to want to and people who have had misery in the life are going to want to try and speak to the people that, 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 that they've lost and that they're missing and things like that. And they're not going to want to do it once. And they're not going to be like, it's like saying, okay, you alcoholics only drink once. It's like, they won't, they drink all the time. And it's the same situation with these, with, with, with psychedelics. If, if you do have a great experience and they're available, you will do it all the time. It's human nature. We love getting wrecked. We love getting off our tits. That's why alcohol is so popular and so profitable. Most people go home and drink every single day. And probably a lot of people get absolutely shit-faced once or twice a week. Probably yeah. 30% of society get shit-faced once or twice a week because we like to get wrecked. We like to get out of our heads. So it's... it's Anyway, we're not going to agree on the responsibility side of this it's about why you're doing these things isn't it it's like you know if you're doing it just to get wrecked then i, I think there are probably more fun things you could do than magic mushrooms to just get to you know to have that to have that intoxicated excited experience i think that um they, I, mean, I mean they call taking a, a magic mushroom dose a, a trip because in my experience at least there are lots of uh, like peaks and troughs and and moments of you know, clarity, moments of fear, moments of ecstatic joy, moments of like just having to be like really meditative and sitting on your own. And it, it was all sort of, it was a bit of a journey. And I think that that's like, um, yeah, I think that just saying like it gets erect. So therefore you have a good time and want to do it all the time. I think that's a little, I think that's your, it's a slightly reductionist point of view where you've, you've reduced it to a sort of like, you know, we only do this to get out of our heads. Some people yeah, are not doing it to get out of their heads. You're, you're sensible and controlled, right? But the reason obesity right. is such a bad thing, the reason alcoholism is such a bad thing, the reason most people, lots of people smoke or have them stupid little smoke sticks is because people don't just like to do things. People in general like to do things to excess, right? Yeah. And, and, and if they enjoy something, then they continually do it to excess. That's why obesity is so bad because people like eating cheesecakes and they like eating crisps and they like eating shit like that. And, and, do something like this just because they're looking for a religious experience that doesn't mean that they're not gonna go and get absolutely twisted every weekend doing this trying to speak to god because they probably will but like you've just said it's a roller coaster there's there's parts of there where you, you feel like divine there's parts where you feel fear there's parts where you need to be sat on your own but if they've not got a strong enough mind when it gets to that fear bit and they start getting scared and then it takes mate you can you can you can lose you can lose you can completely lose your shit Absolutely. I, I mean, and I totally understand that because before I I, I um, had any kind of experience with psychedelics, I did a lot of research and I went uh, I went into my experiences quite prepared and um, with a, you know, with, with an understanding, a cursory understanding, because once you've done it, you're like, oh my God, I wasn't ready for that. Um, it's, you know, it's... It, it's, did you uh, enjoy it? 
enjoy is a is a strange yeah i mean yeah i did but it was something that again i'm not sure i'm not sure i haven't made my mind up um because it was difficult because it wasn't easy it wasn't like uh it wasn't like uh it wasn't like being at a party and you know like getting off your head and going nuts in my experience it was a really you know challenging thoughtful process which um you know i was seeing things and thinking about things and i i think it really it's like you know like the if you're listening to music the first time you smoke weed i mean you you've we've spoken you've smoked a lot of weed when you're a kid doing like bucket bongs and stuff but like the first time you smoke weed and then you listen to like all your favorite songs and you start to understand them in a kind of different way you're like oh my god i hadn't looked at my favorite music in that kind of perspective that's awesome it gives you like a slightly different perspective and i find i found that psychedelics are like that but the dial is turned all the way up so you can rather than just getting like a uh, sort of cursory like yeah there's like a i can get a slightly different perspective on this or has anyone thought about that that's why like the pot smoking like aliens exist kind of thing is a is a is a meme but like with psychedelics it's like you look at trees and you look at the earth and you look at stuff and you're like oh my god like i've never looked at this like and and you can kind of never see it the same again so that's really important to having a sort of that's why having like this understanding is really important and i'm going to talk about um uh, dreams and pine cones, uh, because um, I had a really, really like strong. Uh, so dreams, they say dreams kind of come from the same place as when you take one of these substances. It's kind of like a uh, your brain is producing a sort of similar thing. It's almost like a dream is almost like a hallucination, isn't it? When you think about it like that. Do you have particularly vivid dreams? Me? Yeah. Uh, now and again, sometimes, yeah. not often. Apparently, when, when, you, when you get a little older, your dreams change and become harder to remember. But when you're young, they're really vivid, like kids I was picking on me for stuff. being old. <laughs> I was very political about that, Mike. I was so political. <laughs> I was so political. I was so careful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had this really um, profound dream about um, I was in a big field and I was holding a lion cub. And I was... I was looking down and I could see this lion cub looking back at me. It was really, really, it was like it was real and it was like a camping field. And I was walking around trying to find a safe place to put this lion cub down. Um, and I looked across through this gap in the hedges and there was a, um, uh, the mother of that lion. I, would, I assumed it was the mother of the lion. It was a female lion sitting outside of a tent and there was a woman standing next to her she was silhouetted and i didn't know i didn't recognize her. i didn't know who she was because i couldn't see her very well but she was silhouetted i saw the lion's mother and i wasn't afraid that i saw the lion's mother i was just like respectful and i was like ah oh, it's okay i'm taking care of this she's not going to get mad at me i'm not going to get eaten by this lion because i'm taking care of her cub then i find a place to put the lion cub down i put it down and i wake up instantly really weird so i tell my i, I speak about it to a bunch of people i'm like I'm always kind of interested in what my dreams are like kind of saying to me because it's, it's interesting to like try and analyze your dreams. It's yeah. quite fun, especially like if you're into writing and creativity, like making little narratives out of your dream. It's a, it's a good time. Um, you can definitely get addicted to it and it can kind of mess you up a little bit, but it's uh, especially having bad dreams, but it's fun. It was good. So I uh, then about a week or so later, I had a, um, I uh, took magic mushrooms with a friend in a forest and this was something i'd prepared for for quite a long time 
and um, we took fairly high doses, almost slightly accidentally, because dosing is really important, hugely important with magic mushroom. Probably the most important thing between having a really good time and a really bad time can be uh, dosages. So um, low doses, if you're ever considering of doing it in a responsible way, start low. And um, the, uh, yeah, so we kind of messed up the dosages, which is important because the in this book, he talks about how dosages are what's keeping people from being like intoxicated and enjoying like the the these religious experiences or having too much and being like wasted. Like he, they talk about that a lot in like the old sort of texts saying about how like, you know, a bunch of people have died from taking this and it's because the dosages are messed up and um, we've lost knowledge of dosing certain medicinal plants because of uh, witch hunts and stuff like that that happened because that knowledge got destroyed. Anyway, dosing is really important. We kind of messed up the dosages. We were having a wonderful time and then suddenly a storm started rolling in. It was a beautiful hot sunny day, but then a storm started rolling in whilst we were kind of up and I saw some I saw like the the dark clouds started to have like quite an angry looking face on them. I was like, that's pretty weird. Uh, that's kind of scary. So I looked away. I looked over where the sun was and out of the sun, I kid you not, a Buddha or the Buddha on in a six pointed star came out of the sun and like shot across the sky and just sat there. And it was the Buddha meditating in a six pointed star. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm so high. <laughs> that was how I how I interpreted that at the time. I was like, wow, that's crazy. Why am I seeing the Buddha? Why is it in a six-point star? It's insane. I look back at my friend who's with me. We're sort of sitting together in this in this forest, and his face morphs into the face of a lion. And I was like, oh, that's pretty strange. The, we have this this trip together. Uh, he took slightly more than me. Um, and that negatively impacted his experience. He was having quite a bad time. And because of that, I was having to be a, uh, to help him through the experience because it was quite difficult for him. Yeah, so I'm a bad friend. I would have been taking the piss. Yes. But I see, I'm the, this is where we differ, I guess, with this stuff. Like, but I was also like a bit worried that I was going to go down that sort of dark path as well. We both got lost in the forest. So setting really important. Um, we both got lost in the forest and we luckily we stayed together, but we got really lost and um, we lost track of time. Just all of those things that happen normally when you're under the influence of psychedelics. And yeah, I ended up basically having to look after my friend through a lot of this and support him. And he was having doubts and all of these internal things that he'd struggled with, especially his um, uh, long-term abuse of, of weed was something that came up a lot. And um, it ended up with him, throwing out all of his weed and he is yet he's not touched it since which is uh, been over a year so that's awesome anecdotal evidence of how uh, psychedelics can have a profound experience on addiction but it's, it's just anecdotal evidence death. that's all it did <laughs> yes if you die before you die yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh um, but I looked after him the entire time and I was like wow I looked after him and he we spoke openly about his his father he grew up without a dad and and um, we we cried because it was like, I don't know if you've ever had this when you've taken psychedelics, but when you're kind of on the end of them, you become really emotional. I, found I, both I always of... used to feel like I was made out of rubber. Like my hands are made out of rubber. My hands are made out of rubber. Everything's made out of rubber. It was horrible. I, I love it. it. Coming down, it was horrible, but that was it. I, I don't think I have as similar experiences to a lot of people because I think 
I'm very one track minded and I don't okay. let shit take up. Like you said, when you were looking at the clouds and the, the, the black clouds started to look a bit scary and a bit frightening. I think yeah. a lot of people, when they're tripping, that could have sent them right over the edge and completely like, oh fuck, what's going on? Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, I remember I told you about it. A friend of mine, we we used to take trips and run through these woods. They were like a circuit around the back of my house. Yeah. Um, and one of them ran into a tree. And we're all saying to him, oh, my fucking God, your nose is hanging off, your lips hanging off. And we take, right? And 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 he proper went under. Right? I and couldn't it, believe you said that to him. I, I was so... Right? Look uh, at when, when, when you're I nearly teenagers. sent me under, and I was sober yeah. when you told me about uh, it. Uh, and and we were saying this to him, like, your nose is hanging off, your lips are... And he's absolutely and he, he proper just destroyed him right but it just shows how easy it is and, and he wasn't that bad he, he'd cut his face um you know like if you bump your, your on your thing you get a little cut it was that and we were like oh my god you should see your face he knows he's coming off your and he's obviously looking in the mirror and he's seeing it different than it really is because we told him it was that but you've even you then in a, in a, a pretty safe environment your friend went under and you potentially could have gone under if you wasn't more strong-minded. And that was the only thing I was trying to get across at the beginning is psychedelics are fucking dangerous, especially if yeah. you've not got strong mind. And it's not just about strong mind as well. It's, it is about the the setting and the dosage. It isn't just about like my mind is stronger than his mind. So it's like that it, obviously if, if you have a mental health issue doing a um, or have a history of mental health in your family, this is like so important. Don't do psychedelics on your own like if you want to try them i think in the next 10 20 years we're probably going to see them in a clinical environment and that's probably a good time for you to try them but um in a non-clinical environment i would just hard avoid them because it really brings it out it's like when you're feeling a bit anxious and you smoke too much weed and you just get focused on being anxious and then you lose control of yourself like that's that will happen again but it's like a million times worse so that's but the point I was going to make, the ending of my story and the, the synchronicity between the dream is that I, his face started to look like a lion for a brief moment. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I looked after him for the rest of the, um, for the, rest of the situation. We talked about um, his, his, his father and all of these things and the, the addiction that he, he had to um, smoking weed. And um, after that, what I got from that is it wasn't like a, an obvious thing that I was expecting going in. I wasn't looking for this. But afterwards, my opinion changed on a really important thing. Now, I want to have children. But before, I was not interested in having children. But after that experience, I'm now very open to the possibility of having children in the future, which before I wasn't. Do you know and what? I think since, that since comes kids, from... I'm scared. I think that's natural. I think drugs that's... and everything and going too far I... with anything because of that's your true. kids. It's because of your responsibilities. I didn't give a shit before. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I, that's one thing that that changed in in that changed in me um, and in my friend. It changed his um, uh, it, his relationship with with drugs entirely. Like he he threw out. Obviously, he hasn't done mushrooms since because they kicked his ass. But he's thrown out his his weed habit, which is a really good thing. It has improved him in that regard. What it has also done is told him that, why were you smoking weed? Well, I was smoking weed because I was really anxious and afraid about death and all of these other things. And that's opened up another, he has to master that now. It's, it's shown him that there's a, an issue with him. And that's why I think it's important that we try these things out in a clinical environment, because I do think there is a clinical, there is a clinical use for psychedelics. I really do think that that there is uh, in the same way that there's a clinical use for testosterone to people who have, you know, who've had um, injuries to their glands and they're not 
creating testosterone is not the same as abusing steroids. Those things are really different. Giving someone um, testosterone replacement therapy because they have a low testosterone and it's affecting their mood and their life is not the same as they're trying to do it to get jacked, but they're the same drug. That's where I'm, that's where I'm sort of coming out with, with my argument there. Um, comment from Alden. Wow. That was a profound change. Uh, was, is that, um, in regards kids. to my kids? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. And it, and it's beautiful. And I'm really, I'm really happy that it's, that it's happened. I'm really happy that it's happened. So, right. Yeah. A couple of things. Anyone reading this book then before we go on, cause I've just been looking through some of the notes whilst you've been, we've been chatting there and, and I'm yeah, thinking, sure. right, so we're probably going to skip some of my notes cause mine are quite negative, but there's one well, point we've gone over a few of them as already. Which yeah. Is, that's what I mean. We've covered a lot. So evidence and proof, right? If you're reading this book, right, and this 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 is anyone who's in sales will, will get this straight away, right? And anyone who's a lawyer like this guy will get this as well, right? So what what you do is you find ed- evidence. Now evidence doesn't necessarily prove anything, right? What evidence does is evidence is on is is a coincidence. It's a synchronicity, right? <laughs> like you were saying before, it's 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 a coincidence. It's something that like okay, on the balance of probabilities that if this has happened, then this is likely what's happened and this is the likely outcome, right? And throughout the book, what I've noticed him doing, and this is why I couldn't enjoy reading it, even though it's full of loads of amazing information and stuff like that, is what he does is on a regular basis, he he presents evidence, right? That isn't strong evidence because it can't be because it's thousands of years ago, right? But he presents evidence and then he will present three, four, five different um, forms of evidence and then he will assume it as a fact and then and then it's kind of pushed forward as proof like at the beginning of this in fact i've got an image here right so let me let me just share one of these images so look at this right this is at the beginning of the second half of the book okay but the disc let me move that fucking proof thing in fact you can see it can't you right but yeah. the discovery of an ergot infused brew which we've not got to yet at mas castella de pontos does show the incredible longevity of graveyard beer on the European, right? They never, ever, ever found ergot-infused brew, right? So what he's done throughout the first half of the book is he discusses it, this ergot-infused brew that he believes is real, and then at the beginning of the second half of the book, he automatically just speaks about it like it's proof, like it's happened when they move into the wine part of it. And when he did that, it was kind of like I, I, I stopped writing notes down because I thought you've just, and I went back and checked quite a lot of the different set sets that he'd said throughout. And I was like, he, 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 he's, he's give evidence. So on the balance of probabilities, this is likely what happened. Sometimes it, he was, he's weighted towards that. They were, that they were taking magic mushrooms in these religious ceremonies. Um, and but in my opinion, he's, he's been researching this for 12 years. So he wants it to be true. Um, so his evidence was was presented three, four, five, six times throughout the first section, and then he states it as fact um, at the beginning of the second. And that's why I took a screenshot of the actual writing because I thought you can't state it as fact when it's not fact. But then everything okay. throughout history can't really be stated as fact because history is kind of 50% true and 50% made up, as, as yeah. we all know. So in that in that part of the book, wasn't he talking about there was a chap with they found a, a chap a guy it, it was a skeletal, skeletal remains of an of an individual who had like ergot in their in his teeth in Black their teeth right in their teeth and there was a skull that also um, I don't know if that contained I think there was also a, sh- a chalice found that had leftovers of cannabis and also ergot in it an opium but, yeah they didn't 
There was no... I mean, opium's probably a better example than, than these daft mushrooms that only grow at certain times of the year because opium can be grown all year round. And I think... I've never, yeah. I've never took smack. Smack is opium. It's almost the same thing in it. I've never took that. Luckily, growing up, my mum was always like, uh, you're going to be around people. They're going to take drugs. They're always going to do this shit. Never move on to heroin or anything like that. If you ever do that, you're going to turn into one of these. And luckily, that was something that just stuck with me. Um, yeah. And I never did. But I'm assuming that gives you a similar high because as soon as they inject themselves, most of these smackheads, they're off the tit straight away, aren't they? Yeah, I think um, it's just sort of how they were, potentially how um, it was administered. The the um, ergot thing is that they, the sort of, the, the, the theory is more that they found it accidentally rather than they were putting it in there deliberately to get high originally, like all the way back in the, because his argument is this was, a, was a stone age practice of spiking beer with other, um uh herbs and elements that from outside which i can understand because we flavor our water to this day um because we we just enjoy drinking flavored water we have all kinds of different beers example exactly um and um yeah so i think we we flavor our water to this day it is something that we've definitely that definitely appeals to human beings but water was quite unsafe to drink in the past too. So people were going to be what that, that to me is why a beer that a, a beer comes out as being something quite sacred because it can provide uh, safe hydration for your family. You're not going to die of a waterborne disease because of, um, if you research a lot of beers and wines, they, they say that they used to taste like absolute shit and that was yeah. why they, they used to, they didn't used to add things to them to, changed what they did to you they used to mainly add things to them so that you could stomach drinking them right so that that practice is so we know that they're doing that practice to so I, to me there isn't a massive leap from that practice of making them taste better and their the other practice of them adding things for not necessarily a psychedelic purpose but a medicinal purpose yeah but right why would they why if, if they were doing it for a psychedelic or a medicinal purposes why does he say in the book that if you tell anyone what goes on in this place you will be murdered so these apparently they, they, now he, he that's another thing that he just assumes but he says it's something to do with uh, if you tell any the reason we don't know what happens in there and what goes on is because he says if you do actually share it apparently if the people go in there they'll be they'd be killed right now in my opinion if they were raping women um if they were killing children or they were doing something like these that are supposed to be doing this adrenochrome thing that i've heard about on on the news now where they say if they were doing stuff like that then i could understand them turning around and saying uh, or even if they was use it like that that skull might have been a person that they've all fucking murdered in i don't don't know right we don't know they don't know but what i'm saying is it's more likely that they're going to turn around and say if you share what goes on in this place we're going to kill you because we're doing this sick twisted shit that we're not supposed to be doing like we've just brought 15 fucking children in here and we're going to murder them all like pedophile rings and shit like that over if you share what we're doing in here we're going to kill you because we don't want anyone to know about this mushroom it doesn't make sense logically so i think um the in the far past we're talking about a practice that has gone on over a really long period of time and the persecution of these people only started with he he only 
find any kind of evidence of that during the Greek um I think is it Greek where it's like if you talk about what goes on with the Eleusinian mysteries, like what their practice is, then you get um you can get in trouble, you can get exiled, the guy gets exiled for it, you can be killed for it, for example. So they find evidence of, of um if you share what happens when you go to Eleusis, you get in trouble. But before that we well, that's evidence not proof, yeah. Yeah. That, that's what I was just talking about. It's on the screen. Well, it's evidence, it's, not proof. Everything it, is evidence, but nothing is proof. Well, it's evidence that they... Assumptions. Yeah. I mean, well, if you found a... Yeah. I mean, it, if someone was punished for breaking the rules of talking about it, I think that that is proof that they didn't want people to find out about it. But why? That doesn't tell you why. It just shows you that they had an issue with it. So, but it's like saying, I don't want anyone to know that I've got I've put garlic in this curry, and if you tell anyone, I'm going to kill you. It just it doesn't make it doesn't make sense. It's like why would they? Or what if that people? garlic was your? What if your business was built around the recipe that makes that curry? Yeah, but it's curry? not. Like, These guys are going to a a, a, a church where I, I honestly don't believe that that's true. Because if they had people like Marcus Aurelius going there and things like that, yeah. then they couldn't they couldn't kill him. He could do whatever he wanted, um, but. If they, if they had people that go in there, it says to me that these guys that can do whatever they want, wherever they want, whenever they want, wouldn't go there for a mushroom. They'd just get someone to go and get them the mushrooms and bring it back to them and, and do it in their own. There's something well, else. It's not that. It yes, doesn't make sense. No, you've got, I think you've got the point. It is, that is what they're trying to stop. They're trying to stop people going elsewhere. Like they have the institution in mm. place and they've got people going there every year. They're bringing them grain. They're probably giving them money. Wasn't and... Marcus Aurelius the ruler of, 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 of Rome? He was the emperor time. of Rome, yes. Right. So the emperor of Rome went to this place to do whatever it was they were doing, yeah? Right. Now, if the emperor of Rome turns around and tell, says, tell me everything that's in the drink, right, thank you very much, see you later. I'm just going to go and do this at home because I loved it. It was amazing. And yeah. I spoke to God. They would have to just give it to him or, or, or he'd, he'd wipe the whole thing out. And so yeah. would, if a lot of powerful people are going to the same place to do the same thing, it says to me, it isn't just to go and drink mushrooms. It's not, it's, it doesn't make sense. It's like, we, they can do that anywhere, whenever they want. And and it doesn't make sense. The, the, the yeah, whole point well, I, was they're doing something either more, more well, sinister. No, nah, see, I, I think it is because it was combined in this religious institution. I think that if Marcus Aurelius had asked for what was in the was asked for the, the recipe of what was in the potion so he could do it on his own i think that that would probably be okay but i think if it got out that he had asked and that he knew within the group the sphere of people that know about the Eleusinian mysteries and understand how how uh, much of a taboo that is to ask what's behind it all um i think he would become unpopular i don't think he would be killed but i think he would lose popularity i mean he would go to a village and if but it's important that you're popular when you're in charge no 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 it was more it was more about power back then though wasn't it like 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 alexander the great never really ruled anything he just went around from place to place to place to place to place until he got a little bit older and and whatever he died when he was in his 30s but he just he he just he, he just murdered he just went on a massive murdering spree didn't he throughout history not not ruling not being liked but being feared and i think back in the day marcus Aurelius, marcus aurelius was obviously liked because he wasn't a violent he's, horrible yeah dude. he's known most as the last good emperor people, most of these people were weren't they weren't liked they, they were feared to the point where people were scared to say anything bad about them so if if if, if an emperor had gone 
and this apparently lasted for thousands of years, right? But if an emperor had gone and said, "I want, I want the recipe," and and see you later, nobody would have disliked him for it. Nobody would have they disliked him for That's... killing the family and the kids and burning down villages and <clears throat> all the shit that they do and taking tax off them to the point where they couldn't afford to eat or live. I think it's the same way that um, that uh, American presidents are mm. all Christians. Are they? Like they, yeah, they all have to, you know, in this nation under God, they swear on the, their oath on the Bible and stuff like that. Like that, they're outwardly portraying themselves as Christians. Whether they are Christians is totally different. But if Obama, Biden, Trump, any of these guys came out and said. Christianity is a load of shit. Like I don't, I don't buy it. It's a load of, it's a load of ass. Do you think they'd be told to do that in their, in their majority Christian country? I think they would be told absolutely not do not do that. That's not I think they would... this is a gang that meets every 12, 18 months, two years, whatever but it, it is. But it's their religion. But it is their religious practice, which uh, a lot of the time supersedes the state, doesn't it? Religion is really personal. And I think that w the, that's what I think, that's why they were trying to keep it mysterious, is because they were trying to keep these practices from spreading into people's homes because they didn't okay. want people I doing this. Bit. I get that, but then it doesn't... And the, the doesn't reason why is because they didn't, want their, they didn't want their institution to become obsolete. Because they yeah, wanted you, people to come back all the time. You can you're still connecting the practice of religion to the mushroom, where the mushroom's got nothing to do with it. This is, and when I get to the end and I explain how I've I've seen the whole book, you you'll understand why I'm saying that the mushroom is a decoy. It's a marketing strategy for this book. Hence, why this book has probably sold better than most religious new religious and history books that have been released probably in the last ten years. It's a marketing strategy. What he's done is genius. In fact, my next note says, best sales presentation I ever read. He sells it all the way through using evidence and and then to, and it's evidence, 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 which, which is on a balance of probabilities, the difference between yeah. the two. And then after he's, he's presented various steps of evidence, he then talks about it like it's proof. Or he then just talks about it. I mean, there's various times in the book where he turns around and he says, oh, this person... I met this person and he said, have you thought about this? Which is super obvious, but he's been doing this for 10 years. And he said, I I've never thought about that. It's something I've never thought about. And then he talks about it after they've done that, like it's proof because somebody else said it. But really, he's obviously thought about it if, he's been, if it's been the only thing on his mind for 12 years. It, what he, he, the stuff he says, mate, he just, he, he's a lawyer. And in, and in court, yeah. a, a court uh, that's why it takes two, three, four, five days for a jury to go out sometimes and make a decision whether somebody's guilty or innocent because they're, they're experts at putting their point of view across by, by using evidence, 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 and then, and then talking about it later like it's proof. And it's the exact same strategy that salespeople do. They'll present three or four uh, cases of, of, of so-called evidence on a balance of probabilities. It's like, so this is likely true because of this, and this is likely true because of this, and this is likely true. Therefore, boom. And I think Thingy mentions it in his book, uh, Russell Brunson, about I think it's some opponents, uh, where if then, therefore, this must be true and all that shit. And he said, and if you yeah. can cr create a sales argument, that's what he's done with this book. That's why I couldn't read it. I couldn't enjoy the, 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 the content because I kept spotting every few pages. He'd done it again and again and again and again. And I was like, this guy's so fucking good at selling. But right. unfortunately, well, he, there's no solid facts. So um, I think that 
it's important to outline what he wants to achieve with this book. So he wants to prove that you drink that they were drinking mushrooms. He wants to prove that. He wants uh, other people to prove that. Um, no, he, he wants says, other people to talk about that to make the book popular. That's the whole point. People love a mystery. Yeah, people but love he, a mystery, and because we love a mystery, we're we're doing it right now. Exactly what he wanted is people talking about this. Is it right? Is it wrong? It does it make sense? Because what he's done is he's taken two of the most popular subjects ever, history and religion, and he's connected them with drugs in a way that because it's so fucking long ago, nobody can prove, right? There's no way you can prove whether he's right or wrong. So it's a big, massive debate, but he puts it forward like it's been proven. And it's, it's super genius. It's, well, it's, it's it, smart as fuck. It's marketing genius. I mean, I, he, he says that he is trying to co co collect hard evidence that he can present to the scientific community so that they will investigate it. So he basically is trying to create a, a case that universities, for example, could put forward because there's a, a lot of this is about the classics departments and universities not like giving people the time of day uh, and like shunning people that have uh, views that are contrary to the. I think there's a lot of anti-establishmentism in this what's, book in general. What's the, name, what's the name of the guy? What's the name of the guy that the the, the professor that's still Rook? Rook, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, so you they, know, they you know, branded him as a mad professor, didn't they? A crazy person. They didn't, right? He did. The author, right, Brian, right, yeah. in part of the book, actually says, right, the crazy old professor. He refers to him in the book as the crazy old professor. He said he goes somewhere with him, and they're looking at some evidence about something, and he refers to him as the crazy old professor. I've actually wrote it down in my notes because I thought even he is referring to him as the crazy old professor. Because well, he knows he's off, he's fucking not. And no, Mike, that's irony. He's using irony because he's trying to. He's no, he's, not. he's brought. No, he's not, mate. He's calling him a crazy old professor. He said it word okay. for word. The crazy yeah, old know. professor was stood that's, waiting for me. Yes, he's calling him the crazy old professor because he's on a journey with a professor to prove his theory that was deemed crazy to be correct. So that's why he's referring to him as the crazy old professor because he's. He's basically saying, we just found evidence that would suggest that this guy's right. Uh, he's this he crazy old professor. In fact, the, one of the notes I've got here is, right, so, I mean, I'll put this one up first. We don't need to talk about it because we've said that. The book connects drug abuse and religion and history in a positive way. Not a good idea. But secondly, I've put everything in this book is an interesting guess. It's a theory. That's, that's what it is. It is a theory. Um, and yep. that is uh, an interesting guess is the pretty much layman's definition of a theory yeah uh this must be one of yours because it's got massive words in it is that yours yes yeah um what? you it uh, it was actually in relation to the one before um that you put up uh okay. this one the sorry oh. that one yeah? okay. the book is glamorizing yeah. drug use by someone who has never tried drugs or so so basically i'll just explain why i put this in but i, I was going to skip it because we've kind of talked about it he's never yeah. taken drugs he's never used psychedelics okay so he, he's completely clean and then what he's doing is he's saying oh well if this happened it must have made an assumption on this like one of the examples that was in the book which was um one of the women he uses which which i thought was way below the belt he uses an example of a woman mm -hmm who is in cancer treatment. Yeah. And he said that she said that, that, that taking psilocybin was life-changing and that she felt like she was no longer scared of death and that she felt like she'd, she'd had a, a transformation with it and all the rest of that shit. But yeah. what we, we were talking about earlier, 
is you see what you're looking for. And because she's dying of cancer, she's going yeah. to say something because she's looking for it. She wants it. So it heightens you, you, your experience in the way that you're looking for. Right. And, and to use to use that why as is an that example. Bad? Why is it bad? Because why, why, why would he use an example from somebody who's dying with cancer, not use an example of somebody who wasn't dying with cancer and somebody who just took it because he could go to it, right? You even just said it before when you and your mate were taking it. One of you had a bad trip, you started to see bad shit, yeah? I, mm -hmm. I've given examples before where 15 of us were all taking trips and shit like that. Most mm -hmm. probably 10 out of the 15 have gone on to use hard drugs, have, have, have ruined their lives, have lost their minds and all the rest of the stuff like that. Yeah. The majority of people using this won't have a positive outcome. And he's using because she's looking for this. Yeah. And, and there's a, there's so many more people that I know who've taken trips who've said, nah, it, it didn't agree with me. It was really bad for me. I had a terrible trip. Right. Yeah. And they won't ever touch it again because it scares the shit out of them. Right? right. That happens so, so, so often. So in a so, situation where this guy. Hold up one second. A, one person who said one thing positive because she's looking for it. Okay. So you just said that lots of people that you know said that yep. they tried it and it doesn't agree with them. Yep. They've had a bad trip. So loads of people throughout, throughout I've, I've heard loads of people say, not the gang of the people that I used to, because we used to like getting wrecked, but so, normal people, like my mum's friends when when I was a kid, they always used to take these, what they were called strawberries. And I remember mm -hmm. my mum and a mates taking them when I was really young um, and going down the woods and stuff like that. And they were pieces of paper um, and they'd call them tabs and they'd call them acid tabs. And they used to rip off the, um, and they had like strawberries in various different ones. And I yeah. remember them coming back the following day and I was, must have been nine um and they were saying that like tony trapped his hand while they were down there and he, he was picking up his fingers like he chopped his fingers off but he hadn't he just fell mm. and hurt his fucking hand and silly shit like that and a lot of the guys that they went with doing it throughout the years because it was really popular in the 80s were um they'd have bad trips and then i know other people um like a girl that used to babysit me when i was a kid she used to take trips while she was babysitting me um but right. the, the the point yeah. is if you've got an addictive personality and you like being wrecked then you're going to overindulge. Okay. Unless you have a bad time. And then you said that many of these people said to you that they'd never do it again, which I, I think is a little bit that's, uh, that disagrees with your earlier point that people would do this in an epidemic of psychedelics. Some people are like you and they think, and other people are like me and they don't think. Basically, I've had. So the point is, I'm trying to make is that people should be given the information so that they can think about these things. Because if they're not told about the the contexts and these really important things about psychedelics, then they're going to do irresponsible, abusive behavior towards them, which is likely to get your ass kicked by them because you're going to do them in the wrong context. By illegalizing them and saying, we don't talk about that, you know, like the church has been said to have been done and that that's what he's accusing the church of doing is we don't talk about that is making it uh more likely that people are going to get into trouble with these things because the more information you have the more likely you're going to make an informed decision that was the point i was making the one that i wrote here is removing the medical context of pharmaceutical drugs is dangerous removing the spiritual religious context of psychedelics is dangerous um, if you start taking pain medication when you're not in pain just because it starts to free just because it feels good um, you've removed the medical context of the pharmaceutical drug. That doesn't mean that pain medication is bad. Um, obviously, over-prescribing pain medication can be bad, but um, it doesn't necessarily mean that pain medication is not a good thing or that people should not medicate for pain. It just means that the context is really important. And I think that that is the same with the spiritual, religious um, 
medicinal context in which psychedelics can and are sometimes used and are going to be used more often in this context by scientists and medical professionals that's that's kind of if religion and spiritual was real then you wouldn't need psychedelics to connect to you don't need psychedelics to collect connect um to spirituality and religiousness he says it in the book that it can be used as a uh as a fast track they were using it to cheat almost uh like uh, buddhists for example use um meditation i've i've reached a weird state of consciousness by doing breathing exercises i don't know if you've ever tried um like the wim hof method of like uh it's like nasal it's like really fast nasal and diaphragm breathing like really quick is that, not just, and, is that not just too much oxygen to your brain though because yeah, i remember yeah, over oxygenates we, we your brain we used to do this thing where you'd crouch down on the floor right and then you'd breathe in and out dead dead heavy and then you'd stand up and you mate would put the hands on your neck here and you black out instantly right yeah um, and you just wake up and you're like, fuck, you know what happened? Um, I, I mean, we were doing some fucked up shit when we were kids. And when I think about yeah. it, I hope my kids but don't do this. They won't. And I think they won't do it because they're not coming from the same background as you. Uh, I think, again, talking about context, you you spoke openly about these people having really bad lives after they and, and getting into drugs early and having bad lives afterwards. You've told everyone you've mentioned on a lot of occasions that you come from a background of uh, you came, grew up in an impoverished place and people who grow up in a place that have that is economically challenged are going to have that you're more likely to join a gang you're more likely to take drugs all of these things are conflated because of the environment that you're in so it makes i'm not shocked that in the slightest that there was drug abuse and bad outcomes from that growing up in a in, a, in an environment like this um and that's you know not i'm going to share two two comments here you're going to love the second one cool so the first one says georgia Boone, totally agree you need to dig deep not into accept what you are told ah, what was georgia's comment that she's agreeing with i have no idea but i was just sharing it because it's <gasps> directly under this one um alden 100 agree with callum <laughs> alden's my boy man i'm telling you i know you. yeah <laughs> i'm gonna block him now <laughs> 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 um, what was this one here says on that point uh, i think uh, i think there's one above it which she might be referring to um ba, 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 ba. There's oh there's two from georgia actually would you like me to put them on quick uh, yeah, so well, there's this one um which was in relation to flavoring beer rather funny that it was acceptable in history uh and now that flavoring beer and wine is literally spiking um Oh, and now that flavoring of beer and wine is literally spiking. Sorry, I, I said that. Yeah, so now we even spike drinks. Like, uh, people spike other people's drinks as like a horrible, um, uh, like predation tactic. Um, yeah, it's it's weird how that kind of we we still kind of do that stuff, um, but in a different way, horrible way. Ugh. Um, have you ever had a drink spiked, Mike? Nah, you, mate, you didn't need a, you didn't need a drink spiked, bro. From what I'm you not said good today. If somebody spikes your drink, you're good looking. Right? Or they hate you. <laughs> so or they like, hate you. Um, so, so no, uh, no, mate. I, I right. Probably, I wouldn't have known the difference because I used to drink to the point where I couldn't begin. Yeah, that's why I don't drink I, no more. Yeah, my friend got spiked at the party. He drank a girl's drink off the side, and someone had spiked the girl, and he drank her drink and got Apparently spiked. Apparently, it's, um, it's quite um, happens all the time nowadays. Yeah, it's really dangerous. I'm always very careful. 
being an extremely good-looking guy, I have to be careful. <laughs> oh, Callum, you just ruined it. Everyone liked you before. He was a super humble dude, and then he says that shit. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's move on to George's next comment. Sorry. No, no, no let's um, just go back to what you were saying. <laughs> um, okay. She said this was talking in reference to um, uh, fear being uh, a way, a means of getting power, I think. So fear is only powerful until there is hope. Ooh, I like that. Very Lord of the Rings. Uh, perhaps the don't tell anyone what we are doing here was simply fear mongering for reasons we wouldn't understand at this point in time. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of along those lines. And I, I think that the, the reasoning, one of the reasons is that it was to stop people from doing this in their own houses and not needing the institution anymore and turning away from the organized religious point which is all organized religion right now it's all just trying to keep their claws in they don't want people you know if you started up a new church the church the the established church isn't going to be like you know what that's great we just love god and if you want to worship jesus worship him in any way you want but if you started like mike's church of jesus they'd be trying to close you down more than any atheist in the world would be trying to close you down and the reason why is because they want to keep everyone in that organization if you start a martial arts gym and you have an affiliation with a bigger club like uh, let's say uh, london shoot fighters or, or a big sort of um a, a big martial arts gym um and you're uh, associated with them and then suddenly you're like you know what i'm going to go out on my own and i'm going to create my own affiliation and you do your own thing you're taking business away from them so they're probably going to be mad at you that is just the way it is like if you're an affiliate and you take someone's product and start selling it on another way they're going to be mad in, in an, and by another means they're going to be mad at you and i think that, that is what this the banning of talking about it was all about it was the kfc recipe they want to keep it secret <laughs> they don't want the colonel's secret recipe getting out i think that's the case but in this time the colonel's secret recipe is probably shrooms um, and George's next comment on that point, Mike, uh, there have been many studies into the psychology of sharing. Many people take what they've been told at face value due to the way they've been brought up with gossip and storytelling. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I like it. I and actually Andrew, agree with you. Andrea this is one of my notes. Could it be true? Yes. Is it likely very, uh, is it likely true? Very unlikely, but a great story. I do actually say later that the book is fucking brilliant. It's full of loads of cool knowledge. I just, I just feel that it's irresponsible. And, and I don't think it, no matter what anyone ever says, I could ever, ever agree with the book. Okay. I'm, I'm looking oh, for that your. Ended our, our uh, conversation right there and then, didn't it? <laughs> but no, um, uh, you're looking for my other ones. My other yeah, comments. There's a lot of mine we've talked about, haven't we? Yeah, sure. So um, I think the, this one is my next one. Um, so where does the religion with no name come from and how old is it? Because there's lots of... Um, the, in, in the book, he talks a lot about um, Greek, uh, like sort of Greco-Roman traditions and he compares that to because they're contemporary with the birth of jesus which is where he gets to about how uh this this cult of wine slash beer spiking becomes part of the early uh, becomes part of early christianity um and um he goes back to say that it could be a stone age um, things spiking beer and and graveyard beers, he says, um, are a grave uh, are a Stone Age thing. They found evidence of it at Gobekli Tepe, which is a um, they thought it was a city, one of the oldest cities, but it's not actually a city. It's a temple 
nobody lived there. It was like a, people would go there for like a festival. Similar to Stonehenge, but this one was like massive, really, really big. And um, they found uh, they found evidence of brewing there, but I don't think they found any evidence of bread making. So the people that would go there were hunter gatherers. They weren't they weren't um, farmers at this point. They were still hunter gatherers, but they built a a permanent structure for the purpose of going there regularly to worship, um, where they think they assume it's to worship. Make alcohol um, to worship. Well, they, that's where these two things kind of go hand in hand. Um, they were definitely brewing alcohol. Part of the worship was probably communal. There would be lots of feasting. So if you're going to have a feast, like you might as well make. But when we it, were still hunter gatherers before they became farming communities, people didn't ne- necessarily need to control society. So religion probably wasn't as popular because society religion obviously was created to control people yeah to control societies and enable kings and people to say well if you do that you're going against the gods and blah 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 blah. and but when they was in hunter-gatherer communities they would have been small families wouldn't they in small communities so yeah i would imagine that it was probably more the first pub uh, as opposed to the first religious experience where they all kind of just got drunk yeah well i think that religion before we become settled I think mm-hmm. religion and spirituality was um, often referred to as animism, which is like seeing uh, spirits in things from around you. So like uh, trees have spirits, the the deer have spirits. Like when you hunt a deer and you kill it, you say sorry to the spirit that you killed, that you killed its physical body and now its spirit is out there. And you know that that, that was animism and that was what most people think that hunter-gatherers kind of the examples we found today of like native americans and um i think polynesians as well have um they had like animist beliefs um so that's kind of where religion would be it would be more like spirits and stuff like that you would probably meet people around you and i think people you know we're all very different we've come up with very different religions if you look at we're talking about how all of this stuff, you know, the, the Greco-Roman religions feed into Christianity. But if you look at the East, um, you've got like Buddhism and stuff, and that's very different um, in practice. There is no God. Obviously, Buddha was a prince. He's a man. They're not worshipping like some crazy sky god, which I'll talk about in a minute. Um, and in the East, it's more philosophy rather than like believing in a higher power, which is... Um, cool that it's developed in that way so we are different but i think that people have similar beliefs and i think that eventually if you live in a large community of hunter gathering there's going to be trading and intermarrying because that's important because otherwise the genetics of your group is going to get messed up so there's got to be there's got to be relationships and you know religion and medicine often goes hand in hand where like people who are um the spiritual leaders would be the medicinal people because they knew how to mix up the herbs and all that stuff to create these uh, medicines. And that is where the psychedelic element of it comes in is that like the shaman having like a trance that is like a, you know, breathing in chemicals. And we know that um, native Americans would smoke a type of tobacco in a sort of raw firm that would create, and then stare into the fire, which would create visions. Um, We know that people, they would do that. We, we know about uh, cannabis, use in um there'd be like weed smoking tribes from like uh the the mountains that would hotbox a tent together in a ritual way like that's really cool we've got evidence of that so we know that that kind of stuff happens um so the religion with no name spreading into like these these ancient 
I thought the linguistic elements of it was really cool. There's really cool. He's a classicist, so he learned the writer learned Greek and Latin and Sanskrit and stuff when he was um, when he was uh, going through university. And these are all um, Indo-European languages, and the Indo-European is like a language family um, from which you can tell where these languages are created because they're all very similar. And using linguistics is really interesting is that if you get all of the words together and you can compare them and how they're said now, you can kind of work out how they used to be said before. Um, and they've actually accurately used this method to predict how certain words were spelt or written in a really long time ago. So um, it's pretty cool. Uh, speaking about the linguistics and religion, there was this concept before you know that he compares Jesus and Dionysus um, specifically uh, in the book. Yeah, he and, was five hundred years before Jesus, wasn't it? Yeah, but they weren't. They they were also contemporaries because people were believing in Dionysus for all of that time. It wasn't like Dionysus was a thing and Jesus came along and everyone stopped so believing. Do you reckon Jesus nicked his idea? Because uh... yes, that's his point in the book is that Jesus kind of well, it's not that he nicked his idea. It was like Dionysus left his his slippers there and Jesus walked into the slippers and kept going. Like they have very sim similar things, but that is not uncommon because if you look at so the Indo Devin ancient Brown's Indo yeah. <laughs> The, uh, this Proto-Indo-European language that they've sort of figured out, they found the words, uh, so Deus. Deus is the word for God in, mm -hmm. in um, Latin, I think, in Greek. So in Greek, you've got the father of the gods is called Zeus, which is spelled Zeus. In uh, um, the Roman religions, you had Jupiter. And um, then obviously, like, so what they've done is they've, Jupiter put together what the word Jew comes from Jeus, which means the same as Deus, it just means God or sky or like uh daylit sky, and putter the end of that means father. So the word Jupiter means sky father. Well, Zeus means the same thing. Zeus putter was he's talk he's talked about like that. He's called Zeus putter a few times, meaning sky father, and there's the um. There's a god in the Rig Veda, which is a, a Sanskrit text from India, and he's called Deusputta as well. They all have the same name. So they're probably the same kind of god. And when you think about it, it means sky father. If you look at the place where this language probably came from, which was a, a steppe, so like a big flat grassland, there's nothing but the sky to look at. So these people have looked at the sky and they've started to worship the sky father which also could be the sun um rising in the sky pretty important um so all of these all of these like religious elements they're all kind of the same thing you know like they, they they all this big they, they're all interlinked yes and when you think about it it's not that crazy that you would have a figure like dionysus the god of wine and ecstasy who has uh who is Super, who was superseded by Jesus, who is his first miracle is turning water into wine, which was a Dionysian, which is a Dionysian. Um, it, he did it at the wedding. The first time he did yeah. it publicly was in a wedding, and, and he took yes. all of the thingy. Into and Dionysus the does the same thing. And every every year there is a special day that was worship that was celebrated in this old um, in um, Greek religion where water is turned into wine by Dionysus. It's the same miracle. It's just 
done by the next guy. And that's why I love that you're talking about this book and comparing it to marketing, because that is exactly what I think the early Christians are doing by taking these elements that were sacred to the Greeks and Romans. Um, it's basically saying, no, no, our guy does that too. He's basically exactly the same. He's it's exactly the same thing. It's but just you had the wrong name. It's this slight bit better. And yeah, and and, and people look for gimmicks as well so if you can get the newest one will usually get more yeah. popular because it's like, the new exactly and and it, you have to say how your new thing is better than the old thing by comparing them like it's really important that you do that that's um sorry i didn't mean to press that that's okay don't worry uh, and and uh yeah i think that that's it's really important if you look at the way that christianity tried to um get it take over the Norse religions, they ended up just chopping them down and killing, like having to kill them because they couldn't really fit Jesus into the Norse traditions. There wasn't really a Jesus figure. I think that the Jesus figure in Norse, in Norse mythology is Odin. He's like a, a wandering magician who produces sort of miraculous things. He hung himself from a tree for like three days or something. He sacrificed his, his eye to gain knowledge. Alden says Skyfather 2.0. Yeah, exactly exactly the sequel yeah um, <laughs> um okay well so they were building sequels before they were building uh star wars and all <laughs> yeah i i re and that's where i think that that kind of thing comes from and that's why i think that the early christians why it's believable that the early christians took something like a spiked i don't think it's outrageous that people were using psychedelics to have religious experiences no, because I people do them now i don't think that's outrageous but it is ridiculous that they would have threatened people with death if they told anyone about it it would have been a yeah. publicly done thing like everyone drank alcohol everybody like tried to get people have always tried to get off the off the face it's kind of what humans do we yes. like to get out of our head um, exactly that's the point I, I i we i think we're both agreeing but we're just on opposite sides of the of of the um of the theme here is whereas I, i'm saying that people like to get screwed up and get wrecked and yeah. stuff but religion is the thing that is tempering them to stop them from getting messed up all the time which is why they want to control the use of this stuff because they're trying to stop people from doing it in their own homes yeah, because I, it could cause a really bad you know if, if 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 they're not using the correct uh dosages or they're not using the knowledge from the these uh, wise women that are doing all of the herbology they're going to end up hurting themselves. And also, in the same way, they're going to move away from the institution that exists and they're going to not pay them anymore. They're not going to give them uh, I, tribute I, I or sacrifices it's anymore. It's more likely, right? They turned up to this place and they didn't take the fucking mushroom. They they forced peasants to take the mushrooms and terrorized them and things like that and 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 had them running around shitting themselves believing that things were monsters and maybe even i love how dark maybe even is. wore heads like fucking sheep's heads and stuff and chased them around and that and I'd they love, they definitely wore masks 100 like percent. shit like that is way more realistic than them actually taking it themselves and then being told that if you if you tell anyone about this you're going to get killed it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. The, the shit that they used to do back in the day, like you said about the, the Christians killing everybody, like they've not hid that from history, but they've hid from history that these guys used to meet up every couple of years and get shit-faced. It just doesn't make but, sense. But uh, my my point of them, well, so the Christians would hide this particular thing because mm -hmm. the Eucharist is 
a central theme of the book and it is the celebration of Jesus's last supper, yep. which is in the same way as that miracle that Dionysus did is the first one that Jesus did. We're both happy to admit that they both seem really similar and they probably were, there was an overlap there. Right. But yep. we're happy to admit that, but if the church the is not person. happy to admit that because he's the true, but Jesus is the son of God. If you stop, if you tell, if you, if you're the church, the Catholic church or even the church of England, and you say that Jesus was not the son of God, that just disproves the entire religion of Christianity, which is very important to people in the church. So they need, they need it to be authentic. They need it to have come. But how's that got anything to do with a mushroom? But it's the, we're talking about the religious ceremony. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like the, the Eucharist is the religious ceremony that has been copied. So if they say, oh, the Eucharist, that was actually a Greek thing that we took because we wanted to get the Greeks into Christianity. Um, and they used to put um, psychedelics in it and speak to their God. But we took the psychedelics out and we're the only ones now that tell you what God's saying. Do you not think it was more than likely? Because, I mean, I was doing a bit of research on old beers and wines and stuff like that, and they were saying that the yeah. old beers and wines were between 1% and 3%, yeah? Yeah. And and wine, apparently, he says something in the book that if you if you get wine gets to about 15% and then it starts creating methanol, is it called? It, and it's a naturally occurring thing to something to do with the skin of the of the berries. Anyway, if when I was younger, right, if I drank a can of Foster's, which is about 4%, yeah, I could drink four cans of Foster's, I'd be absolutely fine, right? I'd be a bit mm -hmm. pissed because I was I was young. But if I drank one can of special brew that's 9%, I'd be yeah. fucking off my face, right? And do you not think it's more likely that they were just giving them 15% wine as a poll? It just doesn't... And that's where they were getting the experiences from. And because yeah, maybe. it was... And the, and the things we're putting in was just to make it taste nicer. That's kind of it just the, the, the mushroom. I, I'll tell you what I think about the mushroom at the end. And you'll be like, okay, maybe he's, he's latched onto this because it can't be proven. It can and can't be proven. And, and he's 15, 12 years of research maybe wasn't to prove that it happened, but it was to prove that it couldn't be proved that it didn't happen. It's well, more, it's, it's more proof that it could happen. It could have been possible. Happen, but anything could have happened. They could have been, that skull could have been what they're drinking out of and they could have been drinking people's blood out of it. I mean, it's too, the only way we know what happened in, in back in the day is if we actually went back there and seen what was going on. Because yeah. you you know, a hundred years ago, is kind of like, we don't know what was going on then. But the only reason we know what was going on 2000 years ago is because people have made up stories that have changed yet loads and loads and loads and loads and loads over the years. But if he spent 12 years researching this, maybe his research wasn't geared around proving it Maybe his research was proving that nobody can prove it didn't happen. Therefore, his book, the marketing idea he's come up with for this book, that's why it's super popular, is is genius. Shall, shall we, let's go through some of the last few thingies and then I'll show you my, what, what I think he's done with this book. Right. So this, this um, psychedelic therapy, I wrote this because it was in answer to your um your point about how it was immoral to use a the words of a cancer patient to prove that the the effects of psilocybin brought them closer to uh, a god although they say it wasn't the christian god they just believe it was some kind of spiritual they entity were they were looking for it though yeah yes and because i remember when we brought this when we brought this up earlier i said how is that bad um was it bad? And because he's he's not taking right he's, he's picked out one person and he's quoted one person that his right so so you could have asked you could have given this to ten thousand people yeah mm -hmm. right and if you'd have done it in an uncontrolled environment yeah potentially 
80 percent of them would have had would have had bad experiences with it right 20 okay. percent might not now what he's done is he's taken this in a con- controlled environment and mm-hmm. rather than doing it with people who are not right if he'd have done this with a, a bunch of car mechanics and said right we're going to put you into a controlled environment and we're going to give you some trips and see what happens yeah Mm-hmm. These guys are not going to see God because they're not looking for it. They're not going to say it's the God pill. They're not going to look because it's not something there. So what he's done is he's looking for some poor bastard that's dying <laughs> and said, I'm going to use their story because they're dying. And when they take it, they're looking for God. They're looking for something. That's well, gonna, they're looking for a meaning because they're about to die of cancer. They're looking for a meaning. Yeah. But if you gave pain medication to people that aren't in pain, then you're just getting people high well that's not the point pay medication. This, this this is this is kind of trying to control what they're going to see by saying right let's find somebody who is specifically looking for god rather than turning around and saying if we just give it to random people then people are going to have a god experience because then nobody will because like you said you've seen a butter in the sky so you did see a sky god right but it was a completely different it wasn't and, and and how many people that have taken trips who I've known over the years, you've actually turned around and said they've had a religious or a spiritual experience on trips is very low. Don't get me wrong. Certain people have said it over the years, but it's usually the type of people that are looking for that or people that are already spiritual or people that are already religious. So when you're looking for it, it enhances it. It's not something that's connecting you to God or to spirituals or anything else. It's something that is literally, if you take it, whatever you're looking for, you, you you will get it. But if you take it and you've focused on bad things, then you're going to have a bad trip. And yeah. most people are stressed. So most well, people who are stressed and worried are going to have bad trips. I think it's important to remember what he's trying to, what he was trying to um, get across in that, um, in the, uh, in, in using that example. And he's not trying to prove the existence of God. And he's also not trying to prove that psychedelics can make you see God or will make you see God because they, they can, but they also might not. But in a, in a, what he's saying is that utilizing uh, psychedelic substances, in this case, psilocybin, in a uh, clinical uh, medicinal way can have an effect on somebody who is going through a very traumatic event to let them be more at peace with their passing, like they would administer morphine to someone that is dying a painful death. The morphine's not going to help them. It's not going to save their life. It's not going to kill the cancer or whatever inside them, but it is going to take them out of pain so that they can pass away peacefully. That is the that is what he means about the context of using this. He's not. Alden's just saying that. quoted it here. It wasn't just one person. It was just that she was interviewed, but in the study, there was around 30 people and 75 said, right, so 75% in the book actually, I think it was 70% in the book say that they had um, like a, like it was one of the best experiences of their lives. So they was in a controlled situation and they did something, but only one person, yeah. the one person that was looking for God, the one person that said the thing he was wanting them to say, was the only person who said they had a religious or spiritual experience out of all these people. So so, so 70% of people in a controlled environment, right, mm-hmm. out of 30, which is obviously not a big study, um, had a, a good experience. One of those, the only one he, 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 he kind of states in the book is the one that has the religious experience because he's, he's trying to prove the point that 
magic mushrooms are connected to God or spiritual spiritualism. I disagree. I think he's not trying to prove that point. I think he's trying to prove that there is a, an effective clinical use of these drugs in a uh, in specific set, uh, settings. I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree why, with that. I think he markets yeah. it the wrong way. Well, I think that the whole point of his marketing, I think what he's marketing it towards, rather than to say that they will get you closer to God, is to say that they are not... Uh, that they have been demonized for many, many years. And this is kind of why they have been demonized for many, many years because of the, they didn't want that connection to pagan beliefs continuing through Christianity. And that's where the whole war on drugs and the prohibition of these things have come from. And perhaps now we have mental health epidemics. There is a space for people to actually get a benefit from these things. And um, if this research is con conducted, the scientific research that he wants to have conducted, they will go back, they will look and they will find, he believes they will find proof um, by looking into the evidence that he's found. They will be able to expand on it. Like you said, you see the things you're looking for. You know, if they, they found a, a pit full of horse skeletons you and, and you didn't know that these people worshipped horses, you'd probably be like, damn, they fucking hate horses. But yeah. they've killed all of them. But if you knew that they worshipped horses, you'd be like, oh, that must have been some kind of sacrifice. I wonder what it was for. So it, you see what you're looking for. And I think he's telling these um, archaeologists and like archaeobotanists to go back and try to look for examples of this because by proving that we used these um, drugs in a spiritual and medicinal, because he talks about that during the witchcraft portion of this um, of the book where he talks about the persecution of witches, they were these um, spiked drinks or drinks with herbs in it were the earliest form of medicine. People weren't making pills back then. Yeah, but this is how they administered it. They were going there for a religious ceremony. What he's trying to say is they, they were taking magic mushrooms but, at a religious ceremony. But, but like Jesus was a healer. Like he connect, connects the healing element of like my friend, for example, had uh, was healed of his addiction to to uh, to weed, for example. Like that's. It, there is like well, a. You can't get addicted to weed. That's just a habit. It's not yeah. physically addictive. It's just a habit. Well, it's, it's a bad habit that he got that he stopped doing when he realized if I go too far on drugs, it's going to fuck me head up. Yeah. Yeah. But you, I mean, you can be addicted to like pornography and masturbation and stuff. And it doesn't mean that those things aren't bad and can't ruin your life just it's because just habit, they're not. Though, isn't it? it just yeah. becomes a habit. These, these things just become habits. If you actually change your environment, it, you can change the habits. Like, for example, well, absolutely. It's, it's not the only way you can. Yeah, it's not the only way you can cure these things. I just mean it's it, it it was a shortcut in the same way that it's a bit of a shortcut. These people were using it as a shortcut to reach a, a more higher state of consciousness. In the East, they were meditating. Uh, he says people were lying in caves in silence for days and re having um, religious experience from that. My friend had a religious experience in a um, sensory deprivation tank. He was lying in a sensory deprivation tank in the dark with with no sound or anything to lying there suspended in the water and he started to have kind of a bad trip um, from being in a sensory deprivation tank yeah and he said that it brought he was having visions he was like having lucid dreams because of it it's not saying that you know that there is a you can have a placebo kind of thing with it too it doesn't mean that it's not it's not whether or not it brings you closer to god or whether god it proves the existence of god it's more that it can actually help people and suppressing it is probably not a good idea. That's where he's 
Uh, but that's got nothing to do with these guys drinking magic mushrooms in cups in 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 a cave years ago. Well, I think I it mean, proves. I think it that it by proving that you would prove that the um, that people in the past were drawn to this as a means of of I, spirituality or healing. Have I misunderstood this bit in the book? They have never been able to replicate the drug drink in a normal lab. Um, but this, and then I've put, well, but this guy keeps pushing, and then I've put lawyer next to it because I feel like he's he's using a lot of evidence that's not yeah. very strong to prove a fact which isn't real. Well, I think what he says is they've never been able to uh, basically create the exact um, recipe because he's talking about the recipe because there's like elements of uh, Homer talks about it in in the Odyssey, and there are other things that refer to like an actual recipe and he's like they put they tried to make that recipe but it wasn't you know it wasn't what they thought it was or it was missing because if something. you use ergot they were poisoning people is that is that correct where what, what i've read is basically the one they were talking about the ergot one was 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 killing people in in the in the modern version yeah so they couldn't it recreate can. it but apparently well, it has been recreated ago, they created it well, that, that was what I read in the back and thought, did I misunderstand this? But I wrote it down when I was thinking it because I was thinking, right, I'm pretty sure he said it's a, it's the, the actual black stuff, the ergot bit, is, is if you take slightly too much, you die. They couldn't replicate it in a lab. Um, but he kept pushing that these guys would... I, I just don't... I, I, I think, don't get where the where the argument comes from that it actually happened. That this, is the, this is why I couldn't read it and understand the book and enjoy it because there's so much good stuff in the book and I couldn't enjoy it because he kept pushing back on this same thing that never made sense at all. The whole way through the book, it was like, just drove me insane to the point where I was like, there is no proof. Every fact that you put forward is not a fact. It's just evidence on a balance of probabilities. Maybe it happened. And then he starts talking about it like it's fact. It just, it, it, uh, it did my head in. It pro right. and, and, and anyone reading the book now, Alden's 15% of the way through it. Keep this in your mind, Alden, when you're reading it, yeah? When you're going through the book, keep this in your mind, what I'm saying to you, and look for these where, where, he, where he starts talking about, oh, this could have been this, it could have been this, and then and then a little bit later he'll start talking about like it was, like it was a fact, and, then it, and, it, and it, like, it's, not, it's not been proven as a fact, he's just talked about it and then assumed it, which is what a lawyer does in court. So he's wrote the book like a lawyer, which is genius, it's clever, it's marketing genius, and, and the, the angle he's come at is even cleverer. But well, I don't I, think, I think he's got a strong argument. Well, I think that he's written it um, in order to to appeal to the scientific audience that they could prove this, like it, within his educational sect. I think he's, he's right. Do you know what? Twenty seven percent of America, he says it in the book, right, are more spiritual now, right? Yeah. And there's a young audience that have got pretty much don't give a shit about religion because almost science has almost proved that it's it's, it's kind of not real, right? Mm -hmm. But right, so that massive big audience there. I don't want to jump too far to the end, but that is the is the target audience he's gone after, and he's connected religion and history to those audiences using this story model, which is genius, which is super super genius because it's got people talking about it. it's really really clever, and it's something that can't be proven or disproved. So it's just going to cause debates like this all the time. Yeah, and or, it's or it's going to choose, or it's going to it's going to it can't be proved now because we don't have the the. Um, the proof or we haven't found the proof but he has found evidence that might suggest that there is concrete you just proof said out it, there. evidence that might suggest and then when i yes. showed the image before but what right but, but then look look one sec one sec one sec but the discovery of an ergot in first brew at my 
um, at mass, whatever it's called, does show the incredible longevity of graveyard beer in the European. So he uses it in a different thing, but he's he's actually stating it as a fact there. It, the discovery of an ergot infused brew that was never discovered yeah. anywhere ever. Well, they found they found a um they they found a they found a, a skull and they found a jawbone that had ergot in it, which which, which he could have been eating. in the same in the same place. They found a chalice with ergot right. in the chalice. Right, but, but as well again, as if, uh, if opium, cannabis, and alcohol, nightshade. But the stuff that they used to use to make the alcohol, right? Yes, the, the, that is where ergot comes from. Not the, the, the wheat or whatever it was called. The wheat, yeah, barley, most, it was, most of it was right. ergot. So infused. the chance is accident that the, that the the ergot may have developed after the the thing's been left, and after this guy's been murdered and whatever's happened, we're on his jawbone because it's between his teeth. Maybe he was eating it when he was murdered. And, and then it's, it, it's became ergot afterwards because that's where it comes from. It does, his, his story is completely, it's just fictional. It, it like he's pushing a narrative for the point of market in the book. And that, but, that's kind of, he's got a narrative all the way through. But we know that people created brews and spiked the brews with, with um, herbs and flavors for medicinal purposes. We know that some of those were psychedelic. And we have writings from like Marcus Aurelius's physician, Galen, who says that there are, uh, there are um, if you ins if you spike wine with a certain thing, you have a not unpleasant. You suffer not unpleasant visions. Yep. So they know that these things give you. They they're it's aware of it. Somebody's done a recipe, but not not somebody connected to this whole ceremony. Somebody somewhere yeah. created a recipe, and he does say that. Look, we've proved it because if you later on in the book, he mentions that there's a recipe, and he's found a recipe that somebody's done where they're actually creating psychedelic drinks. But that recipe isn't connected to this at all it's just like oh look i've proved that the that, 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 that people well, people do that all the time now but it yeah. doesn't mean that that was the drink that they were using in this it, it just no I, but that's what but i couldn't the, enjoy he, it. So anyway. he wants he wants the scientific community to go out there and prove this theory correct that's what he wants from the book that that's that's what he's marketing this towards he says it about he's looking forward to the leaps in archaeobotany when they can do this like when they can like look deeper into like chemicals in in um cups and chalices and all of this stuff like that they're, they're that's one of the points that he's trying to make in the whole in the whole thing so that's have, what i think his his have you got any more notes is. after this point in eel um uh, jesus camp uh no but jesus camp's kind of funny <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I have one about witches. I wrote. I wrote this. Cow goes to Jesus camp. All ah, right. Okay. Do you want to talk about this before I move on to? Because because I want to reveal why I think this book has been so popular, and I think it's genius. I think the marketing behind it is is, is brilliant, and I think from a previous book I've read shows the exact strategies used, which has made this book probably an international bestseller. I don't know how much of a bestseller it is, but it's got shitloads of fucking five star reviews. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. I can talk about that. So um, <laughs> that's funny. Um, Georgia says, Cal, this is where you need to, uh, you need to drink up God camp. Bring she up. put something underneath up. it bring that up. says bring up God camp. Bring up. Yeah, we're talking about drinking, so she probably wrote that. Uh, bring up God camp. Yeah, Jesus camp or God camp. So um, I, I, this is a, an example of placebo and how... Um, uh, to, to your point, you wouldn't necessarily need to use a psychedelic um, uh, drink or a psychedelic potion or anything to create this kind of uh, ecstasy and madness. But I have seen the ecstasy and madness firsthand because I went to uh, I went to Jesus Camp 
so when I was uh, a teenager, I my friend was in he was uh, part of this church, and I liked coming to I I liked going to their meetings. We had this like it was like a youth group, and he was like, "Come along to the youth group. It's not super religious. Like you'll have fun." So a bunch of my friends, we we were like, "Yeah, let's go along." And it basically we used to call it question time with Jesus. So we'd go there and we'd like ask the religious leaders in his church questions um, about the world and their understanding of the world our understandings of the world and we would have like philosophical debates about it um and uh it was it was good fun some of my friends were more into it than others it got a little too religious and a bunch of us left and uh then my friend my friend who was originally going to this camp he says um cal we're going to this um there's like you've been going to this question time thing but there's this big summer camp celebration in uh, norfolk i think so if you, um, what we're going to do is we're going to get a minibus. All of us are going to go up there. We're going to camp for like three nights. And um, there's loads of seminars and stuff about Jesus, but it's really fun and you'll, you'll enjoy it. There's like skateboarding and all sorts of stuff you can do there. It's for the kids. Religion's cool. Um, so I was like, all right, fine. I'll go along. So um, I go there. They take all of our phones off us when we get there, which was a bit of a red flag. I was like, "Oh my god, please don't be nonces! Like, please, God, yeah, like, oh, I'm 14. I've just showed up. Like, I, you know, I don't know jujitsu yet. <laughs> I don't want to get nonce. So um, they took all our phones. My friend warned me about this, so I brought a spare. Um, and uh, so every morning and every evening we go to worship which was like in a big top tent there was probably two thousand people in there absolutely packed everyone would sit on the floor and then these preachers would like talk about their their sort of theme of the day or whatever and um then one evening there was a this guy from south africa and he was like really like drumming everyone up and he started talking in tongues he was like making all these really weird sounds like a fake language and um, people started to get, um, they referred to it as like touched by the Holy Spirit. And they would start like shaking, convulsing. They'd fall on the floor. They'd start crying. People would be screaming. Like it was really weird. Like they were, it was like they had done kind of some kind of psychedelic drug. And they were fully freaking out. And the first time it happened, like a few people did it around me. And then the next night we came back again and more people did it. And on the last night, it was kind of like, this is our last chance to freak out. So let's get it on. And everyone started. There was one point in that last night where it was just me standing in a sea of people who are like freaking out on the floor. Gang mentality. People just follow suit, man, even if they yeah. believe it or they don't believe so it. So my friend who was part of this church, I said to him um, after the first night where a few people had hit the deck and started wiggling around, I'd been like, has that ever happened to you? And he was like, no. And he got kind of upset. He was like, no, I've never been, I like pray, but like the spirit never comes to me. And I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's rough, but like, you know, keep, keep going. And like in my head, I'm like, well, it's cause it ain't real pal. But we get to the, uh, we get to the last day and my friend is there praying. Everyone's praying. Everyone's going mad. There's people like doing conga lines around the place, like screaming and freaking out. Uh, one of the conga lines went past me and a guy slapped my ass. So that tells you a little bit of the, uh, kind of like, <laughs> what's going on behind the scenes here. This dude, I remember him wearing a Barcelona shirt. He came past me in the conga line and slapped my ass. I was like, Oh God. Um, and, um, so my friend who's praying, 
he starts like shaking and then he collapses on the floor and he's like holding his head in his hands and he's like rolling around and i'm like oh my god it got my friend, my friend who's like kind of rational guy. And, you know, he doesn't come from a religious family. He's been like brought into this church by other mm. people. I was like, that's, that's sus. That's weird. That's not good. So um, I was like, oh God, I'm all on my own. And there were people praying on me, like putting their hands on my head and my chest and like, like doing all this weird stuff. And uh, then um, afterwards, which it was, I ended up leaving because it was actually a very intense, horrible situation. Uh, I afterwards I said to my friend, I was like, so how did it feel? Oh my God, you got touched by the Holy Spirit. And he was like, uh, I don't really want to talk about it. And I was like, why not? And I'll never forget him. We were lying, we were in a tent and we were lying next to each other. And he goes, um, I don't want to talk about it. And I was like, why? Why? Like, um, it, it looks so profound. Like it was such a serious experience. We were like 14 at the time. And he goes, yeah. It didn't happen. And like rolled over onto his <laughs> side. He rolled away from me and like immediately went to sleep. I never brought it up again because obviously I don't want to embarrass the guy until now I did it on a live podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, and I was like, that's, and my response to him was like, don't worry, that's what everyone else is experiencing. Like everyone else has got that. I luckily coming into it, like you with this book, I'd, my back was up already. I was like, mm, I don't agree with that right at the beginning. So yeah. I was already like not malleable. They couldn't convince me because I'd already made a stand against I think there's it. There's people who, 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 who used logic and science and then there's people who just want that. And don't get me wrong, I've got nothing against religion. People who are religious, great. I mean, your faith, you've got something to believe no, in. Something to think in. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, and, 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 didn't, and it wasn't. It wasn't doing it for me. So, um, yeah, and that, that happened. And it just showed me, I was like, wow, that, that placebo of like everyone suddenly thinks it's happening to them. So they all do it, but they're all pretending because the person next to them is pretending. So all you need is like two like weirdos to be like, oh, it's actually happening to me. And then everyone starts yeah. getting in a knock-on effect. Now, the way they were reacting, all of that convulsing on the floor, where does that come from? where where does that come from and when i was reading this book that's one of the things that um yeah yeah that's that's why they're doing it but i mean why why are they doing it in that way why don't they all like do a certain like join a chant or like you know maybe the first two people like you said right do you know if you go to these where they're trying to sell you um like bits of houses i don't know what they're called but you know you know like when when they they say you've won a free holiday and then but you go oh, on a timeshare. Is it timeshare? Timeshares, right? And what they'll do is they'll have a couple of people that they sit in the audience that are like getting dead excited and jumping around. And this is amazing. Oh my God, we got the best deal. And they'll have people doing that shit just so that the rest of the audience join in and it takes advantage yeah. of, of that thing that's in, in, us, in us all, whether to a great extent or a little bit. Um, I reckon Callum was doing the shakes and dancing. He just doesn't admit it. But, um, nah, mate. <laughs> Not a chance, bro. But it's, Not a it chance. It was all to the same, to, to, to a certain yeah. extent. And we want to be accepted. We want to be part of the culture. We want to be part of the gang. And, and it literally is in us all. And that's why manipulation and persuasion and things like that work yeah. so well. Um, and and religion is one of the best examples of persuasion. Exactly. And and in, in this, like, this uh, uh lauren says i also suffered this fate of being roped into fun jesus camp false I advertising thought, i put it on without actually reading it and i thought it said raped into jesus and i thought oh fuck maybe <laughs> oh my god no uh, roped into jesus camp i didn't realize it was lauren as well hi lauren uh All right, lauren. part of our gang right so final finally right Have you got some sorry more? my last oh, thing on it well you're gonna hate this obviously but it was 
this is where this is why I thought about Jesus Camp when I was reading this book. Is their reactions were not they were not like you know if you're thinking about ecstatic reactions, they were filled with happiness and the Holy Spirit. Why does the Holy Spirit make you convulse on the ground or put your head in your hands and freak out like that? Like they were having. Uh, they were having really weird reactions to it, and why? And yeah, people started that reaction, so everyone started having the same reaction. But where does that come from? Why does the first person decide to lie on the floor and convulse and freak out? And I, I in my head was like, I think that that's coming from taking some kind of, uh, basically taking some kind of drug and freaking out in the past, and that practice has continued even though the drug's gone the reaction that people were having to the drug has stayed that's where i drew the connection in the book that's what i thought it's just my theory there's no evidence whatsoever to suggest it but that was the fun theory that i came up with uh, well, about why of, they none do of it the children none of the children could have taken drugs in the past so that that wouldn't think yes about. maybe they had magic yeah. mushrooms in your dinner mm, no they definitely didn't or maybe now, they didn't you know Maybe, but because I've since, done, I've since done magic mushrooms, so I know <laughs> they didn't. I didn't see Buddha floating around in the big top tent. <laughs> yeah, but don't get me wrong. I, I love, I, I love it. I love to. I like take. I, like taking drugs. I like getting off me tits. I like. I've not done it for years because I've got kids now, and it's kind of not responsible. But it, it, there's also this the, the point that it's fucking not right for everybody, and it's really dangerous for some people. Um, yeah. And statistically, if you just take me and my gang of mates, it, 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 it's likely going to absolutely fuck you up if you if you do it. Yeah, I think if you, you get a bad trip. I think you like all things. You need to be responsible with how and where you're using these things, and um, the how much you're taking if you're taking any. Um, I think that over the counter drugs are also extremely dangerous. Um, personally, my belief is that, and this is a belief that is shared by quite a lot of people, even legal professionals, in that. Um, I think drugs should be legalized because yep. I think All that should be legalized, but it should be controlled. Yeah. That's like what I mean. Is that you can have some kind of you, control. You can't walk around the streets drinking alcohol and getting pissed yeah. out your head. You should like, in, if you've been to Amsterdam, you can go, yes. you can go and get, and get stoned. Or if you don't smoke, you can eat a cake and, and get stoned yeah. in, in a cafe and stuff like that over there. And it, it's, it's a lot more controlled and it's a lot more thing. I, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it's like that in California. I've just not been for uh, yeah, and Thailand so, now is doing the same thing, but yeah, I, I like, it's about control, control it, tax it, and, and make sure that the, what people are getting is is not just the right dose, but the right purity, and it's not mixed with like I mean, people who are sniffing coke and stuff now are fucking sniffing bits of rat poison and all sorts of shit. Yeah, fentanyl is, has become like a real uh, epidemic. It's really dangerous. But I, that that is, uh, in terms of a final thought, what you've just said, why and what I've just said, why drugs should be legalized and controlled, is why I think this whole book gets written i think it is from that an early attempt at doing that is why this kind of like almost tyrannical control of drugs begins unfortunately they've they fucked it up by making it unobtainable and then you end up with situations where people who don't know what they're doing with it end up doing doing it and they ruin it for everyone else so then then the the eucharist the the actual thing that the christians do where they drink the wine and have the little biscuit is now lost its meaning entirely and i don't think that these early christians wanted it to lose its meaning i think it has done because they've added more layers of control like okay we can't do that but we can't have this type of wine we can't put that in the wine all right the biscuits can't have like human flesh in them anymore um but they like really used to have human flesh in them (laughs) that's what they that's what they kind of said it was a 
uh, because of so, the language so the they were using. And human fleshing, but they wouldn't tell you they was eat, drinking a mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but that, that's why they they said that it was um uh it was banned because it's meant to be the the flesh and blood of Christ, isn't it? So they were really worried that they were actually like cannibalizing. That's uh, whether or not they ever did. He kind of says that there's no way they were actually cannibalizing. They were probably that was probably just language that the to market it to the Greeks. Um, the whole thing with, uh, Georgia says, the whole thing with convulsing, etc. when you're touched by the Holy Spirit, um, is referred to as slain by the Spirit. It's due to seeking healing for some description, and that illness, uh, and that the illness is being slain. Okay. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you healing. ever read the book, Blue Ocean Strategy? I have not. Right, Blue Ocean Strategy, right? So, so, so this I is, only this read is, books is... with you, Mike. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've got another massive one next week but right so so when i'm reading this book when i'm looking at this right i keep mm -hmm. thinking back to this blue ocean strategy yeah now you've got to think this guy loves religion loves history and and, and he, he likes all different languages and shit like that which i think is a linguist is it called right yes and, and so basically this guy is super super smart right uh, and he loves religion he loves history and if you just release another history book or you just released another religion book right you might sell 10 copies right because there's thousands of them, right? Well, Blue Ocean Strategy basically states that if you're going into a new market, right, um, what you should do is rather than joining a market, so what most businesses do is they'll join a market, which is already super saturated. They'll do the exact same as all the other businesses and they become a struggling business just like everybody else and they make ends meet, right? And what, what, what Blue Ocean Strategy su suggests you should do is you should find a different angle, a different spin on it, right? And enter an uncontested market with a different angle, which is why you get things like young driver car insurance, is why you get over 50s life insurance, it's why you get all sorts of different type of strategies where people market things to a specific niche, right? And what this guy's done is looked at religion and history and thought, right, most of the youth nowadays don't, don't um, give a shit about religion, right? They're not interested. Most of them are not interested in history because school makes it boring, right? Yeah, it's boring. And and the, and then they're also in 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 the same same thought. He's kind of realized that most people are now becoming more spiritual because people want something to think about, something to believe about, something to feel, right? Which is not something that's con completely controlling them and saying you've got to feel like this, you've got to feel like this, you have to do this. And what yeah. he's done is he's taken religion and history. And he's used some of the, the, the thing is to the youth, which is drugs, right? Which he's taking thing yet, and he's, he's he's amalgamated him into a story and created something that is actually based around religion. There's so much to learn from this book, and I would definitely recommend it to anybody who wants to learn about religion and history. It's probably the best one I've ever. I've not read loads on history, but it's probably the most in depth, the most. It's brilliant, right? But the angle, the sales angle, is absolute pure genius because what he's done is he's found a blue ocean in something that is probably because it's been around for thousands of years, the most red ocean that could possibly exist, history and religion. And and he's found a blue ocean and he's gone after it and he's done really well, even though I find yeah. it irresponsible the way he's done it. Well, that's that's the interesting thing because I think we, uh, we, I would agree with that too. I think he's found a really cool niche um, to go to, like between religion, history uh, and drugs, especially now because of like um, psychedelics being getting more popular um in terms of like um more they're getting more like legislative uh leeway in terms of people saying you can use these in a therapeutic way we're going to do more experiments whereas before they were like absolutely not just say no like complete prohibition now they're they're more open to it because they're seeing 
uh, potential uses for them. So I think he's he's got running with that niche, which is really smart. I think we, I think that yeah, he's trying to sell a book, so there has to be like a narrative in there. And I, I agree with what that. He's done is I you, don't you think he's marketing it to children. I don't think he's marketing it to the youth. No, I the, would the, say no. that because what this I mean book is, is a very youth. complex thing. The youth are not interested in religion or history, but if you turn around to the youth and say, this book says that everybody throughout history and, and religion, we're all, we're all taking psychedelic trips and stuff like that. The, the, the youth are going to be interested. All of a sudden, it piques people's interest. If you I think a lot me, of people would be interested, to be fair. I think it's not just the youth, if, because, it, because it dissolves, a, it dissolves a, an existing barrier, which was put in place by, this, by religious institutions to say that religion and drugs do not mix. Religion is anti-drugs, whereas this point of view is saying that religion is not, historically is not anti-drug. And whether or not in, in the Christian context, that may or may not be true, but in the ancient context, we, we know that that's not true because we have examples that exist in in modern day. We know about rituals that the Native Americans did, and they had no contact from the West for a very long time. And we know that uh, uncontracted, uncontacted tribes in um south america for example are using mushrooms and stuff like that and have have done it for a very long time the little teachers you know learning uh, like spiritual experiences with magic mushrooms ayahuasca ceremonies those things that are super old and um you know whether or not they were used in christianity they've definitely been used so there was always a use for drugs that weren't just it wasn't just a party there is a just a, there is a use for them somewhere medicinally but that's got lost along the way where the legislations come in. And I think that that's, uh, yeah, I can't remember my point, but that's kind of what he was, what he's doing with, <laughs> that's what he's doing with the, that's what he's doing with the I book. I do that all the time, but I'm old. Um, We've yeah, spoken well, a yeah. lot, to be fair. It's been, it's yeah. been I've, a big I've, one. I, I honestly feel like he, that, that that's kind of, I feel like he's been pushing the narrative throughout the book um, because of the marketing strategy behind the book, which was genius. But also, would I recommend it? Yes, I would. I think... The stuff you're going to learn about religion and history in this book is is absolutely brilliant. If you can take it with a maybe, maybe I just got pissed off and kept trying to push the thing on me, and maybe I was not listening from the outset. Um, but I think it's if, about perspective. I think you've read certain parts of this book with a different perspective that I have. I think other people yeah. are going to read it with probably a different perspective to both of us. Um, I don't think explicitly he's saying to go out and do these drugs. No, I don't mean that. I don't. I just don't think it's it's realistic to say it was or it wasn't. It could have been a fucking tomato they were putting in there. I mean, he takes right. a picture in in the book part, right? And and I looked up the picture because he said there's a picture of somebody holding what looks like a mushroom. And when you look mm -hmm. at it, do you know them things you get what you hang on the Christmas tree, which have got like yeah. a hook over and they, they're like made out of baubles, like, not a bauble. Like like it looks like a fucking walking stick, candy right? cane. Yeah, it looks like one of them candy canes and somebody's hanging that, like one of them that they're holding and he's saying, oh, well, yeah, I can see that looks like a mushroom. And I'm thinking, it doesn't look anything like a fucking mushroom. You're trying to push the fact that it's mushrooms because you want it to be mushrooms because your whole marketing strategy for this book relies around there being some sort of psychedelic drug in that drink, which I don't blame him for. But I just think it was, I think it was an irresponsible book. However, from a religion and a history perspective, it was it was brilliant. Yeah, I, I think that... Um rather than as a marketing ploy to like get people you know like it's obviously going to get people hyped up and interested because it is so controversial um i think that uh it's also to try and get people to look more into this 
to be to especially the scientific community um, because it's really hard to get funding for things that have been um, traditionally told that it's not something that we look into like we don't talk that the ancient greeks would never do something like that but let's be real here people they, don't think that people don't think that he's, he's made that shit up people don't say oh it's taboo you, you can't say that because they were like like we were saying before they used to sacrifice people they used to kill people they used to have slaves they used to have they used to own fucking women they used to the, 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 the shit that they did was really bad to turn around you, and say you can't say they drank a mushroom is is ridiculous it's fucking ridiculous. Uh, Nobody's ever ever said you can't. That's too taboo to be mentioned, even though all the other crazy sick shit that they did was fine. But Nobody... you just said it was irresponsible yourself. No, I said it was irresponsible. But what what he what you said about them? He says in the book right that it's it's too taboo. He uses the excuse right that it's too taboo, and 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 nobody ever wanted it to come out that they were taking psychedelics in this mushroom drug because it would ruin the faith. But when you you look at like the the Catholic Church, who've been banging kids for fucking years and all stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, for that to come out and then and then to not want to admit that thousands of years ago somebody was drinking mushrooms, yes, yeah. it's, it's a ridiculous argument. It doesn't okay. make sense. Well, my 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 point on that and that's something that i've i mentioned to you earlier is it no, it's not about the psychedelic aspect of it it's basically it's basically saying that such a really it's such an important part of the catholic ceremony and to say that that is taken from a pagan greek belief kind of disproves jesus because we've spoken about dionysus and jesus and how that ceremony has stepped into the shoes by saying yes they actually did do this it kind of like infers that jesus was just a guy not the son of god and was using a pagan ritual to spread his doctrine uh to the greeks which would and i never thought of it like that at all and if you should have said that at the beginning i might have changed my mind a little bit <laughs> I, I probably uh that's what i was thinking i probably just didn't explain it very well uh but look yeah i i love this book i thought it was really cool um really interesting um just anti one last thing before you say that the greeks literally oh. used to have massive orgies i wouldn't be shocked about religion doing anything i thought i'd put that up from georgia before you can right. go on what would you say about it would you recommend it yeah, absolutely. I'd recommend it. I think that maybe it's a little bit too long. Um, I think, like you said, he does use these uh, epiphany aha moments quite a lot. Like, oh, I'd never thought about that before. But when he said it like that, I think he's doing that to stitch a narrative into his research because he tries to keep it in a in a story like i went here and then i went to the catacombs and i went to rome blah blah blah, and he tries to keep it in a in a sort of um cohesive narrative i think that's why he's doing it um because when i've tried to write non-fiction things about like and then you know when you're writing an essay uh you're like then i read this and i realized it's like i knew already but i just had to make it sound like that i read from somewhere to find out to give so it's not my theory it's someone else's it gives it more um credibility you know so i think that that's where he's coming from with that which you could look at it from the perspective of saying he's trying to market it in this way and he's using that as a ploy or you could look at it in the way that he's trying to stitch a narrative together um to keep the book cohesive either way you could be right or you could be wrong there's evidence of both but no proof Evidence of both, but no proof. There you go. You just nicked my line, you bastard. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, like he said, it's a good read. It's worth reading. Yeah. It's definitely, if you want to look at religion and history in a different way, it's good. Um, and I'm worth looking into. I bet you could rabbit hole some really cool stuff into this. Like, I bet you could get really deep with like ancient Egypt and old religions and stuff. You could get, you could get pretty crazy about it. Um, uh, 
And I think that that's really fun. We love doing that kind of stuff. That's why the mysteries are so, uh, that's why this book was written, I think, because he was drawn to the mysteries because they are mysterious and we love that kind of stuff. Um, I and... put a final thought. Oh, yeah, I, hit me. This book proves that humans love a mystery and story. And if you can suggest it's based on fact and it's weird, they will consume it in their millions. Yeah, like conspiracy Martin theories, you know? Me, it? Yeah, conspiracy theories. People fucking love that shit, don't they? Yeah. Um, let's have a look at one. We've got one last comment. We're going to pop up. Let's Great go. Great guys. Thank you very much. And next week, I'm Thank really you, looking forward to next week. Oh, we had some pictures to share as well. I don't know what they are off. Here's one. Um, guy so that's me. that's Trip Ptolemus. I thought it was really funny that his name is Trip Ptolemus, and he's the one who spreads this ritual around, and his name is literally Trip oh, Ptolemus, I thought. Happened? Sorry, uh, mate. Go on, carry on saying uh, Trip Ptolemus, I thought it was kind of funny how his name is Trip Ptolemus and he's uh, he's the one who spreads this uh, the, the knowledge of this around to all the different agricultural societies. Yeah, you, I think it's hilarious that, his name is Trip Ptolemus. You see that wheat in the background there? <laughs> yeah. What, what happened is they accidentally had got growing on it and it blew in that person's mouth and then they died and then that's became the thing and it's turned into this whole thing. So what's this one of? <laughs> uh, so that's Dionysus uh, and he is carrying a he's carrying grapes. Because this is the original of, Jesus. Well, this is where that's uh, who they think some of Jesus's qualities. Obviously, Jesus had a lot of things that were uni unique to him, but early followers of Jesus in Greece were told that Dionysus and Jesus were kind of similar. They were being suggested to, and that's his argument, is that they're, they're making suggestions. Oh, so if you go back to the last one, sorry, to um, Dionysus. I was just going to say, and this is a giant dildo, right? One second. Yeah. Oh, that is a challenging dildo with all those spikes. <laughs> the um, hard mode. Um, the uh, the stuff that Dionysus is carrying has a pine cone on it, and um, the symbol of a pine cone is um, it has the golden ratio. So, if you look at a pine cone, it's like nature has created this absolutely perfect spiral, and um, it, it's amazing that that can that can happen. And they uh, represent. Um, rebirth, death and rebirth. If you die before you die, you won't die when you die. Um, and they symbolize, um, uh, they're basically used in magic imagery quite a lot. And um, that is Dionysus's um, uh, pine cone on the tip of his staff, which was also the same as Osiris, the Greek, uh, the, sorry, the Egyptian god used to have the same staff with a pine cone on the top. And if you go to the next uh, slide that I prepared, that is outside of the Vatican. Okay, so it's not a deal. Um, it is not a deal. Well, I mean, it could be. The, the, you, it we might set be. It might be like if, if you're a young boy and you come here, this is what's going to happen. You know, I shouldn't yeah. say that. That's really out of line. That's the final boss. You thought ah! it was the Pope, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and synchronicity. You want to talk about synchronicities? What are the birds next to the uh, um, pine Peacocks. Cone? Peacocks. And I told the story about peacock at the start. Synchronicity. You won this, didn't you? I did. Um, uh, yeah, we saw this pine cone, me and my friend who I went on the trip with, um, and w we went to Rome about a month after our uh, mushroom trip. And um, my friend, whilst on the trip, one of the things that happened to him is he saw a pine cone on the ground and he got like way too deep into the pine cone. And he was like, 
I've seen like eternity in this pine cone. Like the way it moves is like it's literally life and everything is which it, it if people were getting high, mystics in the past were getting really high and looking at the stuff around them. A pine cone, they probably would have been like, Yeah, because uh, a pine tree doesn't die off, it's evergreen. So that's probably where it comes from. And uh yeah, and then we're talking about the trip and he's like, Yeah, I'm still not feeling so great, like about a couple of things on the trip. It freaks me out. And we turn the corner and there's this fucking great pine cone. He's like, dude. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> Leave me alone. I want to get out of here. This was a good one this week. Uh, as you can Loved see, it. guys, we've let it run for nearly three hours. So we've changed our meetings around so we can make this run longer, which is cool. I appreciate that. We have. Yes. The Art of Strategy. Yes, indeed. I have the, oh, I have the physical copy here. It. Yeah, if you're watching this, you can see that it is a. How many pages? Let's have a look how big the words are bastard. on the pages. Oh, oh. I shouldn't have looked. That's why I always Very do the size of the words and then I feel sick. That's horrible. Very though, small. Well, there's at least they've got diagrams in there though. We'll take it means that. We've got no time to have any fun this week, but the game theorists guide to success no in business and life. So this is all about, I mean, it's the strategy of controlling people really. And it game theory is about how, why, why every kid in the world never gets off his PlayStation. So it's super important to know. Yeah. Um, and we don't yeah, know got the following week after that. You need to tell Georgia on Monday. Yeah, I need to have a think. I need to have a think. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to applying like game theory and jujitsu and all of those things. I think it's going to really help. I'm super excited. I'm excited. Game theory. Right, guys, been all awesome. Right. Thank you yep. very, very much. Callum, pleasure as always, mate. And always. we'll see you all next week. Cheers very much. Bye-bye. Laters. Bye. I forgot to press the end button, but I'll do it now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>